Hello, fellow homebrewers. JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brew Built X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brew Built Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full two inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brew Built line of options and add ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brew Built X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brew Built Conicals. You can trust Brew Built with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brew Built at morebeer.com. Home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, beer drinkers. Get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source, only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters. It's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Good afternoon, happy Sunday, the Brewcasters back in your house from our house in, uh, where are we, John? I always A forget. A very fine house. <laughs> Pacheco, California. The not very sunny Pacheco, California today. Joining us in studio is Dan Gordon from Gordon Biersch Brewing Company. Very excited to have the man here today. And uh, make yourself at home, Dan. This is our studio's your studio. Oh, wait, I turned you off. There you are. You are in a full reclined position. Full, yeah, full reclined <laughs> position. So I am comfy. That's good. Very good. Don't pee on our carpet or anything, but make yourself comfortable. Hey, you shouldn't have invited me here if you wanted to put a, those kinds of disclaimers. Right. <laughs> That's true. I should warn you in advance. My fault. I don't think there are disclaimers here. <laughs> no, you can pretty much do anything. We got a great show planned for you today, not only because Dan's here, but we got Beer Jeopardy back, and uh, people been waiting for that, so everyone's excited about a little Beer Jeopardy. I'm excited. You ever... Uh, he- <laughs> yeah, you would be. <laughs> yeah. You get one more chance. John, the uh, reigning non-champion. <laughs> I've lost everyone, so... <laughs> Dismally. Yeah, thanks. Have you ever heard our Beer Jeopardy, Dan? No. I'm looking forward to the great anticipation here. <laughs> yeah, you should. It's good fun. It's good fun. We basically stole the format entirely. Nothing creative here. <laughs> we just stole it. <laughs> Nothing like some good old-fashioned plagiarism. <laughs> That's right. That's what we like to do. That's what homebrew is all about, really. We just plagiarize everything anyway, so put our own little twist in it occasionally. I put my twist in it, but that's about it. Uh, so we're just going to get right to it. Like I said, you know, that's the new format. Uh, no fluff. We'll get right to the good stuff. I'll tell you that this show is going to be the first show that uh, instead of naming the show by our topic... I've named it by our brewer today because there's so many topics that we're going to do with you, Dan, that today is actually just the official Gordon Beer Show. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was the Fat Brewer Hour. <laughs> no, that's no, at 6 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> I'll definitely change it when we reach 6 Thanks. o'clock. That reminds us we do have to measure him. 
Yes, absolutely. We do measure the, the, the beer bellies of all our brewers who come in here. I'll win. And, uh, I'm going to be a winner today, aren't I? <laughs> That's right. I, I Probably long-standing. <laughs> and then what we'll do is when you come back next time, uh, assuming we don't entirely offend you during our two hours with you, which is probably going to be more like three and a half hours with you, uh, we'll measure you again and see how your progress is coming. <laughs> and we don't look for for you to subtract. We look for you to add. That's that's our goal around here wow. is to uh, to add some girth. Well, my wife well. considers me just a basic human digestive tract, so I think I'll, <laughs> I'll fit well into the mode here. All right, very good. So we'll get you uh, fully measured by the end of the show. And uh, there we go. I'm being told to turn up microphones because they're all quiet. So let me do that. Daniela, your microphone's working too. I hope. I don't know yet. Yeah, there it is. You're good. Everybody's got microphones this week, so that's always nice. All right, uh, so it is the official Gordon Beer Show. We're going to do a couple things here in the beginning, some news, our listener feedback, of course. Then we'll do Jeopardy. Get your Gordon Beer Schmerzen chilling, because right at 6 o'clock, we're going to do the tasting. Uh, We've been pretty good the past couple weeks of getting it in on time, and I'll try to do the same today, which means we've got to finish the intro by 5.30, and Beer Jeopardy by 6, John. That's up to you, man. It will be a record if we do it. I'll tell you that. We can do it. I think we can. Yeah. So uh, let's get right to it. You know what time it is. The beginning of the show. Oh, my God. You've got mail. Kick It's mail time. With Dr. Scott's favorite song. Yeah. The banjo mail song. <laughs> I love you need to that. bring yours in, Doc. <laughs> you need to. All right. Yeah, maybe I'll have you play the song live next time instead of me playing it. It was clap Over the air. <laughs> Uh, just a couple things in the feedback bag today, so uh, we should be able to get through it pretty quick. Our first email is just a simple one-sentence question. Is there a way to get a chat room transcript? And the answer to that is no. Unfortunately. You would have to copy it and paste it yourself uh, during the show. And I'm sure that this one stemmed from uh, last week's show. The chat room was, was, was highly charged with uh, Brian Hunt from Moonlight Brewing Company. In here last week and his uh, opinions. I got a question. Did Brian wear boots? Uh, the yes. rubber boots. Thank he did God. wear the rubber okay. boots. <laughs> He's known for that. The yeah. rubber boots. Yeah. Rubber boot Brian. That's it. <laughs> yeah, he definitely wore them. I made him take them off before coming into the house. Wow. <laughs> Not to be rude or anything, but they just looked dirty. They, they were dirty. <laughs> and I just had the carpets cleaned. Otherwise, he could have done it. I don't know where those boots have been, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Brian was cool and just had some controversial opinions, and the chat room was going nuts. And I think some people wanted to take those uh, remarks home with them. And so did I. <laughs> for out a transcript. But no, you can't. Uh, we're looking at upgrading our chat room anyway, so I'll, I'll look into that as a feature. Was that you uh, bitching about our chat room this morning, John? No. That wasn't that you that was kept me. getting kicked out during the no, booze program? Me. Okay. I was giving you a hard time, though. Because I knew you were in there incognito. You told me afterward. But I was I boohoo. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that you were, uh, if you were complaining about it was, me. It was funny to see people talk about me, and they didn't know I was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did it hurt, John? Oh, it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's the first thing. That, uh, they always ask me, you know, is John still sleeping? How come you're awake? Yeah. Where's John? Yeah. It's always the first things that come through. I think Gucci said I can't handle two nights a week. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, thanks, Gucci. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're a good topic for us in there. Yeah. They're still bitching about last week's guest. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Boy, it spills over into the next yeah. week. Oh, you set man. a fire. I like that. Wow. Do you know Brian? Dan? Yeah, but I, I just want to put some warm aura out there, positive thoughts for everybody. Okay. Today and, uh, you know, it's just worth it having Brian wearing his rubber boots wherever he goes. I think you got to look at the yeah. positive side. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay? That's true. Have you had his beer? Uh, I, not in ages, to tell you the truth. Okay. Um, I, I can't remember which brewery he was working at, and 
since the last time I've tasted this beer. Okay. It's kind of hard to find, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you, it, it's pretty much unfindable. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so and that was a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. And that was part of, uh, of the controversy last week because not only, you know, was he talking about not distributing beer and, and that he thinks all beer should be regional, regional. But when people asked, you know, well, how can we get your beer? He basically told them to fuck off. Wow. (laughs) No, he said, buy me a plane ticket. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bring it to you. Yeah, that was was it. Wow. So I won't use the F word here today. (laughs) You can. Leave that to me. Okay. (laughs) If you would. It's my word. (laughs) All right. Some more mail. Uh, Hey, guys, I'm listening to the show via the archives. I'm up to the 7305 broadcast and just wanted to let you know... (laughs) Which I'm trying to figure out if that's my fault or his, having not posted them until recently. Just wanted to let you know, uh, great show. It's really nice to listen via the archives. Uh, he's currently brewing on a one-barrel electric brewery. All the info he's heard is a good refresher to keep him sharp while doing the brewing process. It's great to physically hear talk about brewing, pronunciation, and procedures. Must not be talking about you in the pronunciation department. <laughs> I got a little slurry last week. <laughs> Uh, he lives in the sticks in Montana and doesn't normally have the opportunity to talk brewing unless I go to the local brew store in Billings, which is 100 miles away. And he says, keep telling them to use their local brew stores, which is one of John's favorite things to do is support your local you brew have shop. To, definitely. Yeah, they're, they're struggling just as we are. Yes, they are. Maybe not quite as much. but Mom, uh, shop. <laughs> definitely struggling. So do support your local home brew shop. And that's Colin from Rosebud Ales Brewing, which I think is just the name of his home brewery. And finally, this one's addressed to myself, John, Dr. Scott, and, of course, Daniela. Daniela, thank you. she's always happy when she you gets mail. You say thank you food. now, but it might not be a nice letter. I yeah. don't care. It's mail anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And they mentioned you. <laughs> uh, okay. He goes on in the beginning, uh, uh, you know, good stuff about the show and says thanks. Um, and later he says, a few comments on the show are probably in order. I like your rambling segments, but agree that they should be near the end of the show, leaving more of the meat at the beginning of the show when you guys are still sober. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. <laughs> he does make a good point. Uh, great idea to start reviewing beers that are widely available. I'm trying to develop my palate, but have a hard time finding in the aroma and taste some of the things others mention. I like listening to both home brewers and professional brewers, but would like to hear from some of the other parts of the country. How about more Daniela? Which is why, really? Wow. Which is why you wow. have your own microphone. That's oh. why, yes, you have your own microphone. Yeah. She could have like a And I know out. you don't like it, Dr. Scott. Whoa, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, you, you like her voice. You, you don't need a microphone to shoot me dirty looks. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, as far as uh, hear from some of the other parts of the, of the country, I'll tell you that John is hard at work on that. We've got a couple phone interviews booked for, uh, I think, January, not December, right? Um... Out of country or just in state? Just around, out of our part of the country. Yeah, we have we have a guy from Wisconsin coming in December. So In December, okay. Yeah. So we are working on getting out of California. Fear not. We just wanted to work out our uh, phone situation and, and make sure that we could be uh, as informative over the phone lines. It's going to um, be interesting having conversation with someone who's not here. Yeah. You know. But it'll be easier to make fun of them. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they won't be our guests again, I take it. <laughs> they might not. Okay. And what we're going to try to do is have them kind of ship their beer ahead of time mm-hmm. so that we can have it here. We'll be tasting it, get them on the phone. So we are working on other parts of the country. Uh, he says he has an idea. 
I have an idea for a show that would benefit many of us beginners. There's much confusion and contradictory info out there regarding technique and procedure. How about a show that walks us through your steps of brewing and bottling extract? What tools you need and what you can do without? Primary only or primary and secondary? Cooling the wort, pitching the yeast, when is fermentation complete, etc. So... Uh, I think I, a video, that'll help with that question. We're going to do a video, but I think we could do a show on that. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, we're going to repeat topics anyway. Uh, you know, as the as the episodes go by, we're going to go back to other things. And we've never done a full uh, extract show. The extract show we did was a uh, was with a commercial brewer. So I think it'll be all right to, um, to go through the steps of the process and do a quick sure. show that way. Yeah. We do a topic. Yeah. So uh, I'll put it in the books. We'll get that coming to you. And he says, like a listener last week, he recently put a number of our episodes on CD and gave them to the owner of his local homebrew supply store. So hopefully that will lead to some additional audience. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. We talked about that last week. Uh, Crotchrot did that for us, and I think Code was going to do it. And uh, and, and, and the uh, homebrew shops actually responded by playing it live all the time while their shoppers were in there. So that's cool. That's great. Good for everybody. We're working on it at B3. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So there you go. That's the mailbag for today. And let's go right into the news. How about that? A um, couple good stories today. One of them, I'm interested about your take on this, Dan, because uh, I've not heard anything about this. And uh, I think we need a professional's perspective because it deals with craft brews, micro brews. I think uh, some smaller than you, it might affect. Um, and it's only one state also, but but you'll get the idea. Uh it's a committee that ships beers to wholesalers bill, and it has passed uh, the Senate in Wisconsin. It's a fast-track bill that would grant exclusive distribution territories to Wisconsin's beer wholesalers and is opposed by small brewers who say it will result in higher beer prices. Uh, it was approved Friday by a legislative committee setting the stage for it to be passed. The Senate Small Business Committee voted 5-0 to approve the legislation, and it was approved this week by the Assembly and will likely go before the Senate next week, just weeks after being introduced. Voting yes on the bill were um, Republican Ronald Brown... David Zine, Ted Canavas, you got to be in Wisconsin and know these people. The bill would require brewers to grant exclusive distribution territories to wholesalers. The legislation also would make it more expensive for small brewers to avoid wholesale distributors and sell their beer directly to retailers if the brewers surpass production and sales benchmarks. The Wisconsin Wholesale Beer Distributors Association says the bill is needed to fend off possible lawsuits challenging the state's alcohol industry regulations. Those regulations, as in other states, oversee a system in which brewers sell beer to wholesale distributors, which then sell them to taverns, supermarkets, and retailers. The system promotes responsible marketing of beer, the wholesalers say. But some industry observers say there's no evidence to support those claims, and large retailers have said they could sell beer at lower prices if they could buy directly from brewers. Um, and then several of the brewers' guilds in Wisconsin are opposed to it because they say the bill would limit their ability to distribute beer without using wholesalers, and it could raise their operating costs, uh, among other things. And we've had this discussion in here with other brewers, uh, Drake's, for example, some small brewers who used to use wholesalers and distributors and found that their beer was kind of getting left at the in the hot spot in the garage or, or at least out in the sun outside of the warehouse. And by the time it got to the consumer, it wasn't good anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, as you probably know, you, you kind of get one shot as a as a brewery, as, you know, as in a lot of other things. Us, for example, if we do a bad show, we we, we definitely turn away some <laughs> listeners. They don't come back for months. Yeah, they do. Um, so uh, anyway, small brewers have a lot of issues with using wholesalers. They'd rather you know distribute directly if they can. And this is an actual law 
that's telling them they can't um, if they surpass certain uh, benchmarks in in the in the amount that they brew. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, Dan. It's it's a trying time for any uh, new brewers that are trying to get out and garner distribution because of this type of movement happening at state levels. First of all, we shouldn't have states making up their own alcohol laws. We should have just one 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 set of laws that applies to every every distribution and alcohol yeah. producer in the country. And the 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 biggest impetus is that there's a barrier towards entry to the marketplace. Okay. Laws like this prevent new brewers from coming into formation or even new distributors that might offer competition for existing hmm. beer wholesalers because there is a one-way gate. Right. Once you sign on with a distributor, you're giving them exclusivity, <clears throat> and you can never leave. Yeah. And in even if you do have a uh, a sufficient or uh, a, reason, a, a good legal reason for leaving, such as that the beer is being left in a warm corner yeah. for four months before not being properly rotated, and you as a small brewer can't afford to have bad beer out in the marketplace, yeah. uh, there's nothing you can do about it because they own all the rights to distributing your product. And right. it, is, it is a bad thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm with the small brewers in Wisconsin. I wish they could, uh, yeah, win this battle, it. but politically it's impossible. Just keep in mind that every county has at least two beer distributors. They don't have two brewers. Right. And they have the political clout. They're doing contributions to their state assembly, uh, persons and their state senators. And that's where the laws are being formulated. And, uh, you know, you can't beat them. Yeah. They're just too politically. I mean, it was, it's what really resulted in a lot of bad things in California. Really? So, yeah. Changes in laws. So we have the same kind of things going on as this bill's passing. Oh yeah. Oh, really? oh yeah. The, the, okay. the beer wholesalers here are trying to do the same thing. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. It got squashed uh, recently. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but it's coming back in January. Right. They're going to keep on pursuing it. And and who is it that's backing this kind of thing? Is it? It's obviously wholesalers with yeah, big the money? wholesalers associations. They're the okay. usually the second or third largest political contributors towards election campaigns. Gotcha. And therefore carry a lot of clout. Okay. Wow. All right. It's a shame. Um, nice one, light topic to start off this fun beer. Yeah, hour. how do you like <laughs> that? Like British political hour. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, anytime. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Next on the panel. Now he's all red in the face. Yeah. Uh, I'm angry. A, Deb Carey, president of New Glarus Brewing Companies, uh, uh, is, is yeah. Dan and Deb, great people. Okay, you know, good friends. Okay. Um, good beer. They're saying it's really disheartening that the legislator has abandoned small business in Wisconsin. And I think that's exactly the point Dan's making about uh, the wholesalers having a lot of clout and small business not. Um, which is kind of weird because a lot of state laws in general, and I know that a lot of state laws in California, really like to promote small business. They like to help out. And, and in California, especially like with women in small business and minorities in small business, you'll find a lot of programs that boost that. And then on the, just on the, right in the, at the same page, you'll find something really in the face of small business. It's just a terrible thing to do. And I don't understand why there's not room for both. And I guess it just depends on who you ask. Is it money guy money. or it, yeah? Guy? It, it all depends who's at the, who the political forces are and how much how money hungry they are. And you know, this is one thing you got to keep in mind. Uh, Gray Davis was probably one of the biggest money takers from of any governor we've ever had, and everybody in the state legislature at that point in time. Herb Weston, who was the uh, the uh, speaker of the assembly. These guys are are the kingpins of of answering to political contributions. So they on one side would tell you, smile at you, and say, "Yes, we're all for small business. We want the small guy to to right. prosper." And then in the and the next day, they're going to just take the money from the distributor and uh, the wholesalers and yeah. and say, "Forget it." Yeah, and that's what that's the truth. You know, 
Yeah, that's what well, it makes me sick about politics. It does. Yeah. It's bad. I was, you know, before I just decided to be a drunken DJ, I was going to do the politic route. I was going to, uh, you know, do the, do the whole law school thing and become a politician. There's two things you can do with, with, with speaking, right? You can be an upstanding citizen uh, who lies a lot, like a politician, or you could be, you know, me. Which uh, gets drunk and talks on the radio. <laughs> good choice. <laughs> but I don't lie, so that's yeah. the one good thing I have going for me. Um, but the thing that turned me off was was that you can't make it anywhere in politics unless you you're in somebody's pocket and yeah. all sorts of other stuff. So anyway, there's that. Uh, how about a quick news story that nobody cares about? Miller has introduced limited edition 1855 Celebration Lager, America's oldest major brewery. I like how they put that in a little disc. The oldest major brewery. Because it's not the oldest brewery. Uh, offers a special 150th anniversary brew. If you know the oldest brewery, don't say it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you know it already? Yes, I do. Damn it, i got to take that out of Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, consi- I would consider them a major now. Yeah, I actually would agree with you. That their size, I would I'd put it in the major category. Okay. There, we'll talk about it once we answer the question. It's nice. in, damn you. Now he's oh, got an advantage sharp, already, man. John. Oof. I know. Um, I think I got a chance. Yeah, they're just, they're putting out a limited edition beer, uh, part of its ongoing celebration of the company's 150 years of American brewing heritage. The 1855 Celebration Lager, a, and, and this is a quote, full flavored golden lager that will be available on a limited edition basis throughout November and December is a special handcrafted brew. You can be Ooh, sure. Full flavor. Uh, indicative of uh, Miller's long devotion to founder Frederick J. Miller's vision of quality, uncompromising, and unchanging. Mm. I think they're aging it up to eight days this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might be right. Wow, that's <laughs> a full two days longer. <laughs> uh, how about a nice little quote from CEO Norman Adami? Miller's 150th anniversary has been a time of reflection for our company. Oh, they probably had eight days to reflect. Uh, to recognize and celebrate the principles and spirit that have brought us to where we are today and to carry them into the future. Frederick Miller created the first Miller time when he sold his first barrel of beer in the fall of 1855. Miller. And we invite America's beer drinkers to join us for a toast of that historic moment with this great beer honoring our founder's vision. Sounds like a politician. Yeah. No one can hear the sarcasm in my voice, no. right? Uh, that's enough time spent on that. Yeah. They won't be joining us on the show, I'm nope. sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> Did you ask? <laughs> well, we don't need try. to now with all no. that sarcasm, yeah. right? Beer bellies be warned, but others may be okay. Um, you know I like to do the health stories, Doc. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just that you're fat. It's where the fat is located that determines your risk of heart attack, according to a new study giving weight to the long-held belief that beer bellies are far from healthy. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, big butts, though, you might be okay. Researchers in Canada came up with a basic calculation between waist and hip measurements that they contend is a more accurate indicator of one's risk for a heart attack than the so-called BMI, or body mass index. The study out of McMaster University in Ontario, in Ontario looked at 27,000 men and women, including more than 14,000 who had heart disease. The findings, published in today's Lancet Journal, show the risk of heart trouble grew uh, along with excess body fat around the waistline in relation to hip size, something that was undetectable in the BMI charts. For men, the study suggests a waist divided by hip proportion greater than 0.9 could indicate, indicate significantly higher risks for the heart. For women, the ratio should be less than 0.85, the study said. So a lot of people who do not consider themselves as obese will find that they are beyond the cutoff point. 
Um, fat on the abdomen is the killer, not fat on the hips. But they don't say why. I'm not really quite sure why. But so beer bellies uh, increase risk of heart disease, folks. Sorry to tell you. Um, not that I'm going to heed that warning. I just have to give it out as a public service announcement, right? Yes. What if the fat is well marbled into the muscle tissue that's <laughs> producing more flavorful and tender piece of meat? <laughs> you must but, be a cook. Yeah. <laughs> then you would do well if you went down in a plane crash in the Alps. <laughs> or the rest of us would do well, I should say. Uh, okay. Uh, this one is, on Saturday, drinking won't be just a journey to the bar. It's a destination. Summit Brewing and LocalHipster.com have bottled the idea behind a CBS hit reality show, the stage uh, The Amazing Case, instead of The Amazing Race. Instead of teams trekking across continents to capture a $1 million prize. Anybody, you guys seen this show, this reality show? Mm-mm. Just one of those shows that you get a team, you, you travel around Europe, and you you got to go to different... Um, checkpoints and whoever finishes all the checkpoints wins a million bucks uh instead of that um 34 groups will race from bar to bar in minneapolis finding clues in the beers they drink and competing in funky relays until they reach the final hidden venue awaiting them will be a three-month supply of summit beer and drunken glory wow yeah team spots have already been filled i hope they have a designated driver (laughs) yeah i think they run i think they have to run around yeah a race will begin at 2 p.m saturday and uh move through several bars in the in the area which I won't uh oh there's like 7 of them though they're going to be hammered yeah uh organizers hope to make it an annual event so that sounds fun to me that's a good idea you could do that here and very quickly uh I read a story last week about the uh beer in Connecticut that was trying to be distributed but had the an elf sh- uh, 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 an evil elf shooting a slingshot at Santa's sleigh on its label yeah. <laughs> and you're not allowed to market to kids in, in in many states but in particular in Connecticut and it's actually worded in the bill that images such as Santa should not be used in marketing alcohol um, they were talking about banning distribution this week they've actually set a hearing so the state liquor control commission scheduled a hearing to determine whether a beer with an elf on its label should be allowed on Connecticut stores shelves um, no shelves for the elves. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the the distributor of the beer says we're hurt no matter what happens. Even if they decide they decide they want us to sell the beer, I bet they won't decide it right then. It will they'll then be well into December, and no one will be buying Christmas beer from us at that point. So I'll keep you up to date if they post again and and see if they let them brew it. And guess what, John? We're on time. For the second week in a row, yes, we right just on. made it on time, even yeah. a little bit early, which means uh, Dan might be allowed to go home tonight sometime before 9 o'clock. How do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be doing Beer Jeopardy. Get your Gordon, uh, Gordon Biersch Merzen ready, cold, chilled, a nice glass. Not a pint glass, preferably. Please not, no. What, what, what's the proper glass to a- use? Anything that comes from Europe would probably work. Okay. If you yeah, got any European glasses. Anything yeah. that comes from Europe. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Daniela Works. likes to hear. <laughs> what's the problem with the pint glass? It does not focus the aroma towards your nostrils. Because it goes out. It's out. Yeah. Terrible for head. Right. I mean, just across the board. They were designed for mixing martinis. Yeah. And for drinking iced tea. Okay. Because you don't need to smell either one of those. No, things. it destroys the whole element of beer culture that that guys like us are trying, and Danielle, and Danielle. are trying to bring into the world today. Right. So, if you have awesome. any glasses that that curve back 
toward the inside as you get to the top, that would be a better glass, particularly a a European beer glass. Yep, is is what Dan even a wine glass would be yeah, fine. Okay, yeah. use a wine. There you go, because that curves around, and that'll help us get the aromas in there. Dan's gonna. This is the first time we've done our official tasting with the beer our our guest uh, brewed, so he'll be able to help us a lot. The goal, Dan, is just to to help people with their palates. I'm very so, goal oriented, uh, so I appreciate good. that. <laughs> that's good. Uh, yes, yeah, we, we couldn't get the guys from Guinness in here last. Week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. We got 10 seconds before we go on break. Yeah, go ahead. Two things from a chat room. I first of all want to send my best wishes out to Oz and Di because Di is in the hospital today and he had to leave. Mm-hmm. So all my best wishes to them. Okay. And then our listener Sean from a chat room asked us to compliment Kansas City for their win over Oakland. I did not uh, even know what sports. Oh, here. No, now what's he all. asking us to do that for? <laughs> I had to ask, what sport are you even talking about? That's the correct answer. <laughs> That's, That's the correct <laughs> response. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Good I job. did it anyway. Uh, well, is there a kick him out of the forum button over there? <laughs> I like him. He's a nice guy. <laughs> I know. He is a nice guy. Yeah. That's yeah. why he's doing that. I, I walk out if there's any bad-mouthing about the 49ers or the Raiders. You're out, right? Those help feed my wife and kids. You know, those are important. <laughs> that's true, important actually. Teams. That's, uh, I bet your bar's full up over there. Giants, too. You, uh, that's, you're even closer to Giants Stadium. Well, we have concessions at, at Oakland Coliseum uh, and right. uh, Pac Bell and Candlestick. So. so you're a fan of oh, all yeah. of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I even root for the Dodgers sometimes. Can you believe that? Uh, now, I, that's where I draw I the line. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's where you have to stop. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back in uh, probably about five or six minutes. We'll do our tasting at si- uh, at six o'clock. When we come back, we'll be doing beer jeopardy. Woo-hoo. So, uh, listeners, uh, get ready to sign in. I'm going to need a caller eight 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 four zero one beer. Call in about three minutes. First one to get through uh, will be playing the game with us. All right. You're listening to three guys with one microphone. And five gallons of beer. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. And now back to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. I like that. It's Beer Jeopardy time. I'm ready. Been waiting for this for a while. Especially Doc. Doc loves this game. Yeah. He's good at it too. That's why. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I just. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, I've been practicing, guys. Yeah. Yeah, I have. What have you been doing? Reading books. Did you read all of these notes that I that you uh, that I have for this week's Beer Jeopardy? <laughs> yeah, I've got two of those games. <laughs> <laughs> so you do have a slight advantage. No, on I'm just this kidding. No. <laughs> I was drinking my beer and being entertained. All right, we do have a caller on the air who's going to play, and then you three are going to play, as usual, for a, a listener. How about that? Do we have anything to give away this week? What we got? Yeah. Damn, damn, yeah. We're going we're gonna to send some uh, Gordon Beers t-shirts and All right. Sweet. something with it. How many winners are there? Uh, there'll be one during the, throughout the show. We like to have three winners. Okay, well, we'll, we'll do a t-shirt uh, and a 12-pack of beer that I'll send out from the brewery. Nice. Wow, yeah, that's stuff. great. All right, how about, so we'll go two winners today. We can do that. We'll yeah, go one for Beer Jeopardy. I'm, I'm a big spender. We can go three. <laughs> you can? All right, we'll go three. <laughs> that's Is that great. beer or a shirt? For the third one. <laughs> yeah. So we have one for the Jeopardy, we'll one for Stump. Oh, cap, there you go. Cap, two. And then we'll figure out the and one we'll at random. And we'll figure out, maybe we do two Stumps. Yeah. Yeah, that's Perfect, that's mean. great. Three yeah. things to give away. Because Dan's no schlub. No. He's giving it out no today. More. We've had some other schlubs in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
No, everyone's pretty cool. Comes in here. All right, uh, let's find out who we have in the uh, on the telephone playing with us. It'll give us four players. Uh, while I'm doing that, you guys know how it works in the chat room. If you don't, I'll explain briefly. Uh, the first one to call out your official brewcaster's name, uh, that's your brewcaster for the game. If they win, you win. So the names are, of course, John, Dan, and Doc. Uh, first ones to type it in the chat room. Danielle is watching. You get them. All right. Gucci better pick me. <laughs> <laughs> they already say it's John's time to shine. Yeah. yeah, it could be. It could be. Let's find out who we have on the, on the phone here. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, Jay. How are you? Oh, good. I didn't hang up on you. I'm, I'm glad about no, that. No, I'm all right. All right. Who are we talking to today? Uh, this is Carlo. Hey, Carlo. Hey, Carlo. Hey, hey. I yelled at Carlo in the forum a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, you did. I didn't, yeah, well, I, I didn't mean I think to. It was me that started it. <laughs> <laughs> it was my fault. I had a bad morning. Carlo was getting on. What were you getting on me about? Like the archives or something, right? Yeah, there, I just so. wanted you to hurry up on a few of them. I was getting anxious. Yeah. <laughs> Call me lazy. I got all offended. Yeah, you did. <laughs> oh, yeah. At least yeah. you're honest. I must have been hungover. You probably were. <laughs> I think I had a beer and apologized. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for calling, Carlo. Is, are you a first time caller, though? I am. All right, I thought so. Cool. But I was hanging out with Dr. Scott and John yesterday. Yep. Yeah. No, he had a brand new 1550 in his in his pickup mm. truck. The guy had the biggest shit-eating grin on his face. He looked like a kid a kid on Christmas morning. Yeah. John, what's the 1550 for those that don't know? It's a 10-gallon all-grain system for mm. more beer. You know, that's awesome. All, it was nice. It was stainless and everything. Fully modified. And I mean, all stainless control panel. Hit a conical. Yeah. Man, oh, he, he he had more straps on that thing because yeah. that was not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Did it make it all the way up there? It did, no problem at all. No and, problem at all. And what's wrong with your heat exchanger? Uh, it's got a hole in it, which <laughs> I thought was kind of strange. But yeah, I was just doing weird. a water brew with it, and I, all of a sudden bubbles started pumping out of yeah. my hot liquor tank. That's yeah, nothing a little duct tape won't take care of. That's, that's right. The professional hey, brewing know. element. That makes them <laughs> yeah. But to B3's, to B3's credit, I talked to Regan. He goes, bring it on in, and we'll change it out for you. No right on. That's good. Just plug it up with some Vegemite. <laughs> it'll work. That would work. And it'll help your fermentation, too. <laughs> wow, you're a happy boy this weekend, huh, Carlo? I am a happy boy. Well, he is and he's not because he can't brew on it until two weeks. So. Because of the, the No, he's, go, he's going to Tahoe next week. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. But he's it's okay. You should have dropped it's it off okay. here, Carlo. I would have uh, broken it in for you. Yeah, maybe you could have. <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking, he's thinking, F you, right yeah. <laughs> he's not even letting his friends look at it. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, congratulations. That's a good buy right there. Oh, thanks a lot. And uh, you'll, be pa- life, you know? you'll only be paying it off for the next five years. Hey, well, you know what? It's all worth it. That's yeah. right. Hey, what, what you'll save in the quality and quantity of beer you get out of it is what is what the way I look at it. So, Daniel, yeah. you hear that? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A gift. All right. Do we have players from the chat room, Daniela? I think so. Who do we have? All right. So we have a guy named Sodevo. He's pl- uh, John is playing for him. So, John, you go. Okay. All right. So All right. Go pick to you. And then, then uh, you have the pleasure to play for Gucci, ah. who has never won anything. I mean, I just want to make this sure again on the air. And you know what I'm thinking now is that Gucci participates a lot but has never won. And I think that Dan's a good choice for him. Absolutely. You might be able to uh, bring this guy home a prize for the first time, Dan. Pressure's on. I'm sweating and I'm prepared. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give it my all. Yeah. Very good. And then he looks like he's got a lot of knowledge in his head. (laughs) And uh, are you saying he has a big head, Doc? Nope. (laughs) Uh, And then who do we have for Doc? And for Doc, we have a listener called Fulcrum. 
Fulcrum. Yes. Okay. So Sounds good. Get some leverage in there. That's four <laughs> possible uh, winners right there, folks. And here's how the game works. Carlo, have you heard Beer Jeopardy before? Oh, yeah. Okay. You might want to write these categories down, um, and then I'll tell you what the what the points are. And I have changed Final Jeopardy today once again oh, to really? make it a little Ooh. to make it a little more fair. All right. So uh, should I write this down too? Only two of you, the two high scorers, will go on to Final Jeopardy. Okay. All right. There is a daily double within the regular Jeopardy. A daily double. Because I like the daily double. Because if I'm going to plagiarize, I might as well do it thoroughly. Yeah. <laughs> we spell it differently. So, uh, yeah, we exactly. Yeah. An audio daily double? We spell it the daily D-U-B-B-E-L. Yeah. Oh. Dubell. Mm-hmm. Dubell. All right. And uh, so two of you will go on to Final Jeopardy, and then I will explain the rules about Final Jeopardy when we get there. I should call it Beer Jeopardy all times, Final Beer Jeopardy, because then I might avoid copyright violation. Yeah. Let's get to the game. I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> the three categories this week are, and you may want to write these down. Um, yeah, I'd like to write them down. I'll just remind you guys in the studio, but for Carlo who can't see, uh, beer is the word. That's the first one. Beer. beer is the word. The second category is random things that Justin couldn't classify. <laughs> That's the second category. Uh, and the third category is old brew. Old brew, okay? Uh, much like some of the brew we've tasted in here before. I'm <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> not going to say anybody. Why am I angry at all of our guests today? I don't know. No. Can I have They've a been sip? Awesome. You're just in a hateful mood. Mm. I am. Thank you. It's good beer. What am I drinking right here? I'm drinking the uh, the Blonde Bock from yeah. Gordon Biersch, which is a, which is a tasty That's beer. That's my favorite. That's a oh, good flavor. That is good. I'll trade you real quick. It puts a smile on everybody's face. <laughs> that it does. After two bottles of that, you're going to be just, it'll, the, slow, the show may go just a wee bit slower. <laughs> <laughs> if that's at all possible, you might be right. Okay, so there's your categories. Beer is the word. Random things Justin couldn't classify and old brew. As usual, I will give our listener, who is our caller, who is Carlo, control of the board first. Go ahead, Carlo. In each category, there are four questions ranging from 100 points to 400 points. You may choose in any order. Beer is the word, 100. Okay. Starting right at the top, beer is the word for 100 points. Porter was named after... A, coal, B, port wine, C, journalists, or D, London porters? D. Dr. Scott. Wait a sec. Are we just shouting out the yes. answers as fast as Well, I'm right? supposed to say Doc. We're supposed to have something to drink. You're supposed to shout out your name. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't explain that for, for the new for the We usually have something that jingles. You put, you put like your that. hand up or what? Or just call out your name. I don't see the red button. Just say Dan. If okay. you know the answer, say right. Dan. You yeah. can do it at any point during my reading of the question. Okay, because I had it at, at number two when you were saying I actually no. had it at number one, but yeah. I got you waited. I had it at zero. Yeah. Okay. All right, now I'm catching on. All right. Hey, so you Gucci, get a slow man, start. I'm, I'm going to help you out here. I'm not going to let you down. All right. It is, <laughs> it is London Porter. Porter's a dark, full-bodydale, uh, famous for being George Washington's favorite. The drink was beloved of London marketplace porters and was first invented in the 18th century when pub owners blended together three types of beer. It was so popular that one brewer installed a huge vat holding 860,000 U.S. gallons. Unfortunately, that vat broke in 1790, causing a flood that killed eight people. That's the way to go out. Little beer trivia for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would have gotten that part wrong. I I was told originally the history was uh, it was done by some London 
the porters on the trains that would take a stout and combine it with a pale ale, and that's the and that's how they got the, a porter. They came up with a porter, but hey, I've heard lots. But of hey, who are you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're. Just I didn't know there was a third beer involved. I'm dying to know what it, the to third what it was. was. The third. We'll have to. I had heard them. it was they. They'd use a stale beer too. Wow. Uh, to give it that. That's uh, to give it some tang. Musky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. All right. 100 points for you, Doc, even though uh, you, you, know. you jumped the gun. Right. Uh, on, but it was my fault. I meant to say Doc, and I said D. I don't know. It just kind of came out. So. so just going over protocol again, the minute you <laughs> say the question, we can say bing, Dan, and I can exactly. give you the yeah. answer Yes, without looking for your multiple choice answers. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Yes, you can, can just say Dan. That's right. Okay. I'll give you control of the board, Dan, just because I gave you a disadvantage at that one, and then hopefully no, it, give it's, Gucci it's, a little chance. It's, it's okay. I just want to no, no, do my best. Control of the board is given out randomly by me anyway. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> so uh, there you go. You now have control of the board. Uh, beer is the word. Random things I couldn't classify or old brew. Uh, let's go for old brew. Okay. And 100, 200, 300, or 400 points. Why don't we start at the di- to the difficult one, just go for the 400 so I can play some catch-up ball potentially. Okay. Yeah. Aggressive. Uh, I have. A f- you guys better be on your mark with this one because I think Dan could get it. I think he's yeah. for four hundred points. Oktoberfest originally started as. Go well, ahead, Dan. It actually was a wedding reception for King Ludwig the First and Mary Theresa. Going back, uh, the wedding celebration it became an annual event. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it actually, Meritzen is the original Oktoberfest beer too. Okay, which that's four hundred points yeah. right here. Yeah. Well, I, hope, I hope that matches up to the uh, <laughs> absolutely. The in eighteen ten, Ludwig married uh, Theresa. It lasted sixteen days and was so much fun that they've done it every year since. Is basically the deal. So there you go. That's 400 points for you, Gucci and Dan. Did you set me up on that one, by the way? I did not. Um, I just went through some good beer history ones, and, and I thought that was a good one that these two would have a chance at also. Yeah. Because uh, while it is right up your alley, it is somewhat of a general knowledge. Like, Doc, you, you knew that. You probably just didn't jump right in. I didn't have a chance. He, just, he, just said <laughs> yeah. that he, just, he was there. Yeah. He was on it. Yeah. Uh, and you can yell out Dan. Yell out your name okay. if you're going to buzz in. That's your official yeah, buzz. Carlo, you still with us, buddy? I'm here. All right. <laughs> just checking. Dan, you retain control of the board. Go ahead, please. Uh, let's go for the other category that we haven't done. It was random uh, things that, uh, that, that I you, couldn't that classify. You, you just yeah. That's a lot. came up with. Uh, 100, 200, 300, or 400? Uh, we, we'll start with the 100. Okay. For 100 points in the random things I couldn't classify, which one of these is not a fictional beer from a television show? <laughs> Shots, Buzz, Duff, or Blotz? Doc. Carlo. Doc. I'm going to give it to Carlo. All right. I'm going to say D on that one. Blotz, he says. Uh, you are correct. Blotz yeah. was the beer that made Milwaukee famous in the 1850s. It was the real-life counterpart of Schott's beer, as seen on Laverne and Shirley. Of course, Duff is Homer Simpson, and Buzz is the fictional beer from Drew Carey Show. So, nice work, Carlo. That's, I'm impressed. That's 100 points. Alive. You're alive, and you have control of the board. Go ahead, please. Very nice. Let's go random things that Justin couldn't classify for the 200. 200 points. All right, here we go. Uh, is this the right? Okay, here we go. Kinder beer is A, beer that makes you kinder. Justin just pronounced Dan, it wrong. Dan. Go ahead, Dan. It's also called uh, malt beer. It's a uh, unfermented uh, wort that's served in Germany to, to kids and tastes kind of like a carbonated Coca-Cola substitute. And it tastes terrible. It's also served <laughs> in the Caribbean to, to kids as a uh, 
a, a substitute for uh, for formula of all things. Oh, really? Yeah, and I never could understand that. But uh, it's nutritional a, it's, value. It's just you know mul- carbonated malt sugar. Okay, is, is what carbonated wort. It's it's a real shortcut process too. Right. Mm-hmm. My parents put me on malt when I was three. Is that right? Yeah. And have That's you how you get to beer in Germany, you know, you because you need to drink by f- by the age of 15, mm. so you need to get used to the taste, sort of. Well, that's yeah, kind of what this drink. is, actually. Yeah. It says, the malty beverage has only the barest trace of alcohol, and since even in beer-loving Germany, beer can't be drunk legally until the age of 16, contrary to popular belief, it's the perfect legal uh, for children to drink beer in the U.S., um, I am living proof that that 16-year-old, you know, drinking age doesn't exist in Germany. I'll just let you know. (laughs) 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 Okay. So, uh, all right, that's uh, 200 points for Gucci and Dan, and you have control of the board. Uh, Beer is world. Beer is word. 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 Uh, Word. 200, 300, or 400? Uh, 200. (laughs) Beer is the word for 200. I'll spell it first and then say it. T-A-H-K. Talk. Is the word for beer in what countries? And one of the of the two will do. Talk. Um, doc. Go ahead, Doc. Vietnam. No. John. Go ahead, John. Scotland. No, sir. Hmm. Carlo, you want to buzz in just for the heck of it? Give it a stab. Yeah, I, you know, I have no idea, but I'm going to say Japan. No, no um, Japan. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's really easy in Japan. I'm Get probably me. pronouncing it wrong, but it's T-A-H-K. And the way that the pronunciation was written, it would be Tak. I'm impressed because I thought I knew every beer word in the world, okay. and, and I don't have that one. Uh, even remotely close. I okay. mean, it's probably outer and inner Mongolia for all I know. But I could have gotten it wrong, but uh, my notes say it's Sweden and Norway. No, that's wrong. Uh, okay. beer, beer in Sweden. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And, and it could, but you know what? There could be a very regional... Uh, the other words. Regional one, but the, the beer in most of Scandinavian countries is Earl. Earl. Is Earl. Okay. Yeah. And uh, in Norway and Sweden for sure, because I used to, my sister lived in Sweden, and I always used to be able to order a beer by saying, Jak and Earl. Okay. All right. But yeah, I will go for, you know, there's dialects, and yeah. that very well could be in Lapland. Uh, could you know, be. And Norway and Sweden come together up there and talk, although uh, I know the Mott uh, family from the, the brewery uh, Mach up in uh, yeah. in Lapland, the northernmost brewery in the world, and they've got Earl on there. Okay. All right. Label, but well, I nobody like got any points for it, so I guess the no need for controversy. But you're probably right. I just read it off of uh, wow. some random website that apparently wasn't from Norway. Or yeah, you got one supporter in a chat room who says Sweden as well. Maybe it's some oh, yeah. sort of a dialect or Could something. Could be a dialect, thing. alternative word or whatever. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'll, I'll keep you with control of the board, Dan. Go ahead. I I, I feel guilty because. Because <laughs> you got too I much. I do not deserve this. Let's go with Old Brew again. Okay, Old Brew. For 100. For 100. We'll start right at the top. Groaning Ale. A. Produces intense hangovers. B. Groans as it ages in casks. C. Has gone bad. Or D. Was made for women in labor. Carlo. Go ahead, Carlo. C. Uh, C, you say, as in cat? C, yes. That is not correct. John. Go ahead, John. D. D. It was made for women in labor. That's true. Wow. Uh, Groaning ale. In colonial America, seven or eight months before a child was expected, the local alewife would make a special high-alcohol content ale and store it away until the expectant mother went into labor. Then the keg was tapped, and all present, including mother-to-be and midwife, would partake. Afterwards, the infant was washed in groaning ale. Not a bad idea, since it was far purer than most water supplies at the time. 
So, uh, John. I'm on the board. Puts you on the board. <laughs> Is that 100 points for John? That's 100 points for John. Also gives him control of the board. Go ahead, please, uh, Random things. All right. 200? Random things. Uh, you have 300 and 400 left. 300. Going for 300. That, my friend, is the Daily Double. (laughs) (laughs) So possible 600 points. Only you get to answer. Okay. Go, Johnny. No pressure there. True or false? You you even have a 50% chance of getting it right. you got to help out John in this game, right? If if I fail this, I'll I'll hear this for months. (laughs) Ice beer is made by freezing the beer. True or false? True. That's correct. It's wow. true. It's too easy. Something's <laughs> wrong there. If it were anybody but John, I might agree with you. <laughs> Is that 600 points for That's John? 600 points oh, putting John God. on the board wow. there. And Ice puts him in the lead, too. Yeah. All right. Who what was the, the original brewery that uh, developed the uh, the Icebox? I leave that up to you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the name of the beer? Icebox. No, it's it's Kulminator. Is actually the original oh. uh, ice beer from the the Kulmbach breweries right. in in, uh, in Germany. Okay. Yep. There you go. All Next. of that's correct. Dan knows his stuff, yeah, of course. Wow. All right, John. Still have control of the board. Go ahead, please. Uh, random things four hundred. All right. That's going to clear out the category. Chance for John to really take a lead here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's pausing on this. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to figure out. It's a true-false also. All right. So what I'm going to do here is <laughs> if, you, if you're wrong, I will dock points to, to just keep everyone for buzzing in and going for their 50-50. Mm. Got me? So if you think you know it, go ahead and buzz in. True or false? Skunky beer actually contains the same chemical compound as a skunk's spray. Carlo. Go ahead, Carlo. That's got to be false. Uh, that's actually true, Carlo. That's oh, true. Well. Uh, <laughs> I have to deduct 400 points from you, <laughs> Carlo, for buzzing in on that one. <laughs> Beer exposed to sunlight, as we've often talked about on this show, or even fluorescent light, undergoes a chemical reaction that creates, and Doc, I'm surprised you don't know this, 3-methylcrotalmercaptan. Ah, uh, Doc? The same chemical no, I, I found in the spray skunks unleash on intruders. Green bottles don't protect beer from uh, from developing this aroma, which brewers call light struck. Brown bottles afford much more protection. So that's good to know. Yeah, now you know it only cost you four hundred points. <laughs> yeah, really. But because you just took such a huge loss, I'll give you control of the board, Carlo. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're you're nice You've only got two categories left. All right, let's go old brew. Uh, two hundred or four hundred. Uh, let's go. 200, did you say, or 400? Yeah, two or four. Two. Okay, here you go. Beer stein lids originated to... <laughs> go ahead. For beer gardens to keep the foliage from falling into the beer glass. Wow. At the Augustine account. I knew that, too. I thought it was for fruit flies. Uh, that They don't have a lot of fruit flies in Germany. That's they have cold. gnats, but uh, not the fruit flies. Okay. We're going to have to take a poll, because I have inf- I, my information says otherwise. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh, what was the question? Let's go. Let's finish the question. Hey, Daniel, who's my friend? <laughs> Although I don't know where the card is now, so I can't read the back of it. I have that it was to pr- protect against the plague, to keep plague out of the beers, so that if you were standing around at said uh, uh, um, beer I think garden, we're both right. Yeah, because the foliage and whatever fell in might carry the plague. But yeah, it, I, this must be a, a cultural thing because in Bavaria, the only reason they have the the pewter tops, the history behind it, was. Uh, 
was for outdoor drinking to keep keep leaves from the trees from falling in. Right. And I hate when that happens. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll split no, the difference with you. I'll give you a hundred points instead of two hundred. How yeah, about but, that? But it doesn't match up to your to your source, and I feel bad <laughs> <laughs> because it very well yeah. could be the plague. You know, they, you they could yeah. just say not the answer I'm looking for. Yeah, my source definitely said the plague, which is why I picked the question. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, you know what, Dan, you get nothing. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> and Carla, you retain control of the board. <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, let's go. Old Brew four hundred. Oh, I'm losing you there. Uh, old Brew for it's it's actually three hundred. It's the last one. Oh, my fault. Um, <laughs> okay. Should I just do Bing right now? Yeah. It's a youngling brewery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is the oldest still operating brewery in the United States? And uh, we all knew from the beginning of the show that Dan already knew that it's the Youngling Brewery in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. 1873 nice. is when it started. Uh, three hundred points for you, Dan. Uh, which makes up for me stripping you of your points last Thank time. Thank you. Uh, you have control of the board. There are two things left. Beer is the word. 300 to 400. Uh, 300. Okay. What's our score right now, Daniela? Um, John is up to 700 points. Dan is up to 900 points. I got 100. <laughs> very, very good, Doc. <laughs> That's correct. And Carlo is minus three hundred. Oh come on, we got right. let's let's invert Carlo's scores just for the heck of it, okay? <laughs> Make it plus three hundred. <laughs> plus three hundred. Uh, do you have the power to do that? Minus three hundred. <laughs> Daniela just vetoed <laughs> you. She's the boss. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'll tell you Sorry, what. Sorry, Carlo. If you can say everything you just said in German, Dan, I'll reverse his points. He can. It's been a kind of for me Youngling war the Alteste Brauerei in the Welt, in the USA, not in the Welt. Daniela? Yeah, that's perfect. And how is his pronunciation? It's pretty good, actually. Okay, fine. Yeah, uh, Carlo, you got 300 points. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Drew Carey format. For yeah, <laughs> absolutely. This is where I differ from the Jeopardy uh, official thing. Okay. Uh, an ale conner was an A, official beer taster, B, an ale seller, C, a large ale mug, or D, a beer thief. An ale conner. Oh, I could read Carlo. that again. Go ahead, Carlo. Uh, D, a beer thief. Uh, that's incorrect. <laughs> Take uh, some points from him. But a nice guess. An ale conner was either an official beer taster, an ale seller, or a large ale mug. John. Go ahead, John. A. A is correct. An Ooh, official wow. beer taster. How many points? Three. Uh, that is 300 points. In medieval England, an ale conner tasted beer for purity. While it may seem like a great job, it also meant sitting in a puddle of beer on a wooden bench while also wearing leather overalls to see if the leather stuck to the wood. If so, it meant that sugar had been added to the brew, whereupon the ale conner condemned the beer and gave it to the poor. One of the more famous ale conners in history is Shakespeare's father. So, there you go. There was one thing left, John. It's for 400 points. Doesn't matter that you have control of the board. Okay. <laughs> Anybody can chime in here. Uh, a beer enthusiast is known as a cerevisophile. An avid collector of beer coasters is a a tegestologist, b coasterologist, c ceramatophist, or d matagologist. John, go ahead, John. D. D is incorrect. Uh. A, B, or C. I could pronounce them again if you wish, but it might I'll not be I'll go with A. Good. I don't even know. Let me see. A is correct, Doc. 
a tegestologist. Stemming from the Latin word tegere, to cover, tegestology is actually a quite popular form of collecting. There are several books and websites devoted to tegestology, which I didn't, uh, <laughs> which I didn't research and confirm, I majored in tegestology. <laughs> One German collector, of course, boasts over 140,000 coasters from 151 countries. Some enthusiasts even have coasters dating back to the turn of a century American taverns. So that gives you 400 points, Doc. Yeah, I'm still Nice work. Woo-hoo. What's our tally, Daniela? Hey, do you want to know first that the uh, fly answer was sort of correct? That what? The fly answer for the beer mugs is correct, you know? It's not against the plaque or whatever you said. It's against the flies. It doesn't matter. We're so past That's that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes a difference, though. So the be- and, on the other hand, if you stop. get any comments confirming my answer, then it matters. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what... Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> All right. So we thing. have Carla with plus 300 points. Nice work, Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> we have Dr. Scott with 500 points. Ooh, came out of the, came out of the hole on that one. Ben with 900 points. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we have John, and this makes me cry with 1,000 points. 1,000 oh, points. Da- daily oh, double, baby. <laughs> it's the daily <laughs> double. Wow. Nice work, John. Yes. All right, Carlo, I'm going to have to let you go. Thank you for playing. Thanks, Carlo. Hey, no problem. Better Good luck next time. You All right, you too. We'll see you. Enjoy that All brew right. system. Will do. Thanks. All right. Nice try, Carlo. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Good luck. Uh, okay, here we go. Final Jeopardy. Beer Jeopardy. Uh, the rules are as such. I will give you each 1,000 points. Okay? You're starting with a, a an even amount of points. You're going to have to wager your points over three questions. You must answer each question. So you need to, you know, decide where you want to wager your points. He with the most points at the end of the three questions wins. Okay. And hence your listener wins. Okay? So the pressure's on. All right. Who are we playing for again? Gucci for Dan. Exactly. And Sodevo. John is playing for Sodevo. Okay. Where's Sodevo from? Does he know? I don't know. Does he know? Probably he doesn't know. <laughs> Not during this show, he doesn't. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Are you boys ready? Ready. You're going to... Uh, do you have pens? you need writing utensils to write down your... your I don't know. Your point system? Oh, how many points we have? Well, you just yeah, you have a thousand points to yeah. wager, okay, I mean, and you have to wa- and you have three questions to wager them over. He with the most points at the end wins. Yeah. And you, you have to assign your each question a point basis right I, now. I'm just trying to figure. No, out No, not right now. You can assign the points <laughs> as I. Uh, you'll do it on a for each question. You will not have. Uh, I won't read all the questions and let you assign them. Okay. I will read one question. You okay. need to decide how much to do. So I really don't need paper and pen here. You may not. Okay, that's what, <laughs> that's what I was curious about. Well, don't you have to write down the answer? Do I have to write down the answer? You could just say it if you want. Okay. Yeah. Well, then when they give He's the got other. like a photographic memory. But when they give guy, the other so. guy the answer. Ooh, it's the same yeah. question for both of you guys. Is it really? Doc yeah. makes a good point. Okay. You need I'm to write I'm down gonna the answer. I'm going to write it down. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, I made it to the final round. Dan, don't be looking you at John's did, paper. Danny. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking, man. Right. Don't look at John's paper, Dan. Yeah. So what you need to do now. blindfolded. He's ready to go. You need to write down both your answer and how much you're wagering. Okay. Gotcha. John, I know you don't cheat. Don't you look over at Dan's cards there. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Which of these old expressions did not originate with the consumption of beer? A, and you can just go by letter. A, six of one, half a dozen of the other. B, wet your whistle. C, going scot-free. Or D, mind your P's and Q's. That's right. 
<laughs> Don't look at me like that, Dan. You can do this. You, can you need to it. wager your points and write down your answer. <laughs> yeah. John, are you ready? Uh, I guess. Okay. And you're ready also? <laughs> okay, you went, uh, uh, Dan went 100 points, and he says A. A is correct. Six of one, half a dozen of, and the other is not a uh, a beer saying. John? Well, I lost 200 points then. You wagered 100 and uh, 200, 200 points, points, and what did you? What was your answer? I said C. C, going scot-free. Let me find out where it is. Uh, if you're going scot-free, you're avoiding a special ta- uh, tax or scot formerly placed on beer in English towns. No, whoops. So uh, you now lose 200 points. Leaving me 800. Whereas Dan gains 100. Okay. Your next question. Which country has the highest consumption of beer per capita? A, China. B, United States. C, Czech Republic. Or D, Ireland. Oh. Do you have a question, John? I have an answer. Oh, you are ready? <laughs> have you wagered your points already? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, John. Wait. 500. You've wagered 500 points. And are you ready? Is your answer done too, Dan? Yeah, I've okay. got 700 points. 700 on it. John, go, go ahead. ahead. What was your answer? A, China. Oh, my God. You're so far off. <laughs> That's China. true. You are incorrect. You're, wow. you're, you're not even close. China, you have to remember, has a billion people, and they don't produce all that much beer yet. Okay. But Czech Republic, but Ireland may be a winner, but Czech Republic historically has been it. Czech Republic is correct. It wins this one hands down with a whopping 167 liters per capita. Uh, the Irish is second at 125. Wow. The U.S. is actually 12th at 84.4. Now, I know however, John, is not so far off. By It also says, watch out for China, however. Despite consuming only 40 liter- liters per capita, mm. beer drinking is growing at the rate of 25% a year. With 1.2 billion people, that's soon going to amount to a lot of brew. Yeah, yeah they're so. already, I believe, the largest producer in the world. That's yeah. what I heard, the, the that largest the producer largest. per you know, and barrel. That's, that's of, what I think you may have confused. Yeah. There was a news release on that recently. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay. Barrels. But you got it. Once you divide it by a billion people, it yeah. really screws up the math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, that puts you at 1,800 points, I think, Dan. I think I and, won. I, th- I think he won. And where does it put John? 300. Oh, that puts you down to 300. Yep. That's yeah. correct. Yep. That's, all right. That's gonna be the game right wow. there. Gucci wins his first prize. Yeah, nice and work, Gucci. Thank you. I really owe this all to Michael Jackson and his world guide to beer. Yeah, yeah. just having read through uh, that honestly, too many yeah. times. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you traveling now. A actually. lot of time on the crapper. Yes, sir. He's actually got uh, a chart fun. in the book, and that's one of the things that was dated a little bit. And Czech Republic beer consumption has gone down historically, as as well as all of Central Europe. Okay, it's been really depressing. It's yeah. a, it's a big downward trend over there. Mm-hmm. I've actually done several news stories over uh, a few weeks that that have talked about that and different uh, beverages becoming the kids, you know, beverage of choice in those in, in Europe, and mm-hmm. it definitely changes. Uh, although I think you know, not only in Europe, uh, I think particularly in our area here in the in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Northern California ish area. Beer is at uh, craft brew in particular. It's a trendy beverage, mm-hmm. right? Like it has these waves where people are all into going out and tasting good new beer, yep. and then all of a sudden no one cares. And luckily, it seems to swing back and forth pretty quickly. I think. 
But that's just my two cents. Yeah. I'm betting on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, please swing back and forth. <laughs> I got some college tuition payments coming up, and I'm really hoping Still, that huh? the, tr- the trend is going back up. <laughs> I think it is. Actually, I think typically it was going like it, it was kind of going from beer to wine. Whereas now it seems to be going both. Like, wine's becoming trendy at the same time beer's becoming trendy again. Well, it's craft beers that are, and quality, beer, qual- yes. quality beers are on the upswing, domestic right. beers on the downswing. Domestics are really panicking right now. Yeah. Cause there has been a huge shift towards wine and distilled spirits. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Perfect correction. You're absolutely right. And that's what I, it's definitely this craft brew, this, uh, you know, sort of anything handcrafted. Uh, hence I like the, the way wine you're thinking. Also. Quality uh, as opposed to quantity. Yeah, yep. absolutely. All right. Uh, we're, we're running just a little bit behind schedule. We're going to take a quick break. It's one song. We're going to come back and we're going to do our tasting. So get your, get your Gordon Biersch Meritzen ready. Uh, like we said, in a closed type glass, if you can, so that you can get the aromas. And Dan Gordon from Gordon Biersch Brewing Company is with us today. He's going to help us. I'm playing you too because John and I are going on Tuesday. Yes, we are. I should play you too for the rest of the show. What time are we going in the morning? Early. Okay. Are we bringing a keg? Like, yeah, like two, two, and a half gallon two and a half gallon keg. keg? Yeah, yeah. We're going to drink all day and wait for our front row seats to you too. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back. It's the Brewing Network. We're here with Dan Gordon from Gordon Beersh Brewing Company. Dan, this is And now, back to three guys with absolutely nothing better to do. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Yes, sir. It's just after 6 o'clock and time for our official tasting this week, which, of course, is Gordon Biersch-Meritzen. And uh, we, for the first time, have our brewer in studio with us to help your palate as we do it, which I think is a great idea. We're, yeah. We'll try to do it as much as possible that way. What happens, though, is that we're obviously ta- you know, we have brewers in here who aren't uh, internationally or even nationally distributed, and it's hard to do. Luckily, uh, Dan being so kind to come in here uh, is probably the busiest man uh, we've had in here with, with all the work he has to do, which we'll get into after this tasting. Um, luckily, he is... Uh, are you internationally distributed or just nationally? No, we're just in 10 states, actually. So. 10 states, okay. So your friends in, uh, in Montana may have a hard pro- time getting our beer. Getting the beer, okay. Mm-hmm. Although I didn't really have any complaints about it, so I wonder if there's somebody's uh, smuggling your beer across state lines somewhere, which I'm sure or? you wouldn't be offended by. No, I, I've, <laughs> I've heard of stuff popping up in Connecticut, you know, yeah, the yeah. illegal state there. Yeah, the old illegal we state. We took off the Santa Claus off the label, though. <laughs> nice work. Yeah. That's my state. And uh, I'm not proud of it. I could never figure out even how to spell it, let alone sip beer. (laughs) Yeah. That's a problem. Me neither, and it's on my birth certificate. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to do? All right, so what do we have here is our Gordon Biersch Merzen, which, uh, as Dan was telling us earlier, was uh, at first the official Oktoberfest beer. Yes, indeed. And there's a a neat story behind it. Merzen actually refers to being brewed in March. And it was brewed uh, using uh, higher alcohol content or higher original gravity, along with uh, darker roasted malts to actually act as a natural uh, preservative, so to speak, to cover up the flavor flaws from the lack of refrigeration that would occur in the warmer summer months. Okay. So historically in, in breweries in Bavaria, where Meritzen was actually brewed, 
they would shave blocks of ice off of the lakes in the in the wintertime starting in November. And that's how they keep the beer cold in, in the, uh, the cellars is just by throwing big blocks of ice down there. And that's that was how they aged the beer. Gotcha. And then they'd hit, uh, you know, they still had temperate climates in the uh, – or moderate climate, I should say, in the even in the summertime. So the beer would still be in the cellars around 50, 55 degrees. Okay. But it wasn't ideal for for a lager beer. All right. And uh, that's how it evolved. Okay. So at the original Oktoberfest, which you know was last week of September, first week of October, this is really the the predominant style that they had available. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But you guys have chosen to brew it year round. This is our flagship. Yeah. Yeah. This, and, and we let Darwin decide, uh, meaning. The, the, the fans of Gordon Beers that came into our brewery restaurants originally, mm-hmm. this evolved as our, we never knew which beer would take off. I yeah. always thought the Pilsner would have been the number one seller. But I think the color of the Meritzen, um, which is, uh, stems from, uh, dark roasted Munich malt mm-hmm. and, uh, and caramel Munich, caramel Munich, uh, is what we get. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'll just let you know the suppliers of that. We get our, our caramel, um, our Munich malt from, uh, Gambrinus malting okay. in uh, British Columbia. A classmate of mine originally went over and started that. This is an Austrian guy that that came over, moved back to Canada. Okay, actually had dual citizenship, I think. Gotcha. And started a, a high quality malting facility up in Vernon, nice. British Columbia. Nice small small region there. Yeah. Big German community and a lot of heritage in both in the wine business. Actually, a lot of German vintners were up there. Okay. But he started making Munich malt, so I immediately started buying it, supporting my my friends, and, sure. and he was striving towards making a really high quality. And then I brought bought the malt uh, Kara Munich from Weirman, another classmate of mine when I was going to school in Weinstefan. Okay. And uh, and they they've been around for I don't know they probably had their five hundredth. You know, family anniversary of being in business. A lot, a lot of the the business over there have been doing it, and they are the leaders worldwide for especially dark roasted malts. Okay, bar none, they are the best. Very nice. Yeah, and then we uh, so the malt. This beer is all about malt. Okay, it's got a low hop content. Traditionally, Meritzen's range in eighteen to twenty two to twenty four bitterness units, mm-hmm. um, and it's all about emphasizing the the malt characteristics, the color, the rich body. This is. Uh, Thirteen point five percent original gravity. Okay, it has uh, as eighteen bitterness units, and uh, we use all Hallertau aroma hops. So you have a high content, uh, low acid content when you're brewing this, but a high uh, aroma content. Okay, so that that comes through, and uh, that's what's what's unique about it. So you get the which multi- translates to a to a, a a low bitterness. You're not getting all that, but you are still getting that that awesome hop. Yeah, what happens is you get a low digital bitterness, so the the uh, the bitterness digital, you know, the n- numerical value doesn't really come across the same as um, as the perceived bitterness. Okay. So the perceived bitterness is a little higher than the actual, so it tastes a little more like in the twenty to twenty two range as opposed to the eighteen. Okay. By using all hollowtail hops, mm. so that's the uh, all of our beers. Yeah, you can. It, it is uh, surprisingly hoppy smelling, uh, being yep. such a malty beer. That's the idea. Does okay. that pour help with that? The aroma. Coming yeah, out? that's why we, I like to pour directly in the glass. It evolves. The okay. aroma comes out the foam. If you pour it sideways, uh, it doesn't. You don't get as much head, mm-hmm. and gotcha. the and the bouquet doesn't come out as well. You gotta you gotta put it into a little bit of stress, mm-hmm. make it a little turbulent, and uh, and that's how how the the volatile compounds release themselves from. Okay. The, so if you haven't poured yours yet, which you, you probably already have, dump it right in there so that you can get that out. Don't uh, don't do the tilted glass. I'm big on the big dump. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. yeah. Although um, I have a feeling yours is bigger than mine. Yeah, John. John was that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm I'm uh, I'm open book, by the way, on how we brew our beers. I, <laughs> I like that, Jonathan. That so there there isn't anything I, I will hold back. Our Just listeners let you know, appreciate all, that. All of our beers we do a graduate step, and actually this one has a decoction mashing process involved. So it's a single decoction. Okay. Uh, meaning we go through a, um, a graduate step infusion. Well, hang uh, hang on with uh, that for for just a few minutes because okay. actually we we definitely want to talk in depth about decoction ma- mashing with you. Okay. So give us just a couple minutes on that, um, and we'll and we'll definitely talk about that. Um, what I want to do is 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 get people to do the taste of this beer, and then talk about what they're tasting on their tongues. So gotcha. that, because we're we're definitely working on improving everybody's palates, mm-hmm. our our own included. Um, and it's a lot easier when you have somebody who can tell you, you know, they can say, well, this is what you're tasting, and this is why you're tasting it. So mm-hmm. that's gotcha. kind of what we're doing here. So we've already gotten past the the aroma part. When you take a good smell there, mm-hmm. if you're surprised by the hops like I was mm-hmm. on such a malty beer. That's those uh, Hallertau hops that uh, Dan was talking about and putting them yeah. in there. So you get the low acidity but a strong hop aroma out of it. I definitely picked up the hops more with that pour with more head on the, the beer. Okay. Rather than sideways pour. I didn't get any before when I had my first beer. Now, I will tell you with the dump pour, it's gone flatter than I'm used to your Martin being when I take a drink of it because I'm always doing the sideways pour. Yeah, you, that was a little bit big. Too much of a dump, I saw. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we should talk, we should we should give you one more. It was it's kind of like a balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one went yeah. all over the table. Kinda... <laughs> okay, now flavor wise, in in contrast to the hop aroma, it's a pretty sweet beer. Mm-hmm. So what's and it's and it's a sweetness that's really on the tip of my tongue as opposed to the to the middle. It's like a cloyingness around the tip. Yeah, right on the tip there. Mm-hmm. What are we dealing with there? That's caramelized Munich malt, which is interesting about this beer is there really isn't a ton of residual sugar relative to to a lot of beers you you drink on a regular basis. Uh there's 13.5% original gravity on this. Okay. But it goes down to about 2.7% of res- residual sugar. That's like which is which is a pretty hefty fermentation process. Now what what stays behind is a, a lot of the um, the dextrins that that are and the the most roasted malt flavor and the caramel flavors, caramelized sugars that cannot be fermentable. Okay, they're unfermentable sugars. Yeah, and that stays in that that residual uh, sugar concentration, the extract. Okay, that's left behind, and that has a much more aromatic and flavorful component mm-hmm. to it than than typical malt sugar or maltotriose or some of those those uh, sugars that get fermented. Okay, mm-hmm. like if you taste caramunic raw, it tastes sweet. Okay, and, and, and that's what I'm picking up. And that's as, what you pick up right sweet. there. And, and that's all aroma and, and flavor components mm. that stay stay in solution. Okay, it's got a sweet caramel note too. Yeah, in, in the nose too. At the same time, it's it's fairly light bodied. I think yep. it's not a thick beer. It definitely it, it'll it'll vanish from your tongue, and it's also it's also not real dry. Mm-mm. Yeah, because but it does it, finish dry, but it's it's malty all the way through. Yeah, you know. So wh- why the uh, I don't by by light body. I don't mean a lack of body either. But but it's it, for uh, it drinks pretty smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It because it, it, a lot of the sugars, the fermentable sugars, are all converted over. That's what's pretty pretty unique. Six okay. percent alcohol. Yeah. So it, it's, okay. a, it's a high test beer. And is that a traditional Mertzen, uh alcohol content right yeah. there? Right in six percent. There's a good range in, in Meritzen's, uh from from the malt uh, composition. You'll find a lot of Meritzen's in Germany that uh, that. Range in, in almost the color of the Von Bach that are just a darker golden color. Okay. Up to this, this is about as dark a Meritzen as you'll ever find in the marketplace. Really? Sometimes, uh, the next level up, if we went even maybe five, five to ten color units higher, it would be coming into the Dunkless category, which is pretty surprising. This is brewed with 55% Pilsner malt and 40% Munich malt. 
Okay. So that there that and then then the remaining five percent is this caramelized Munich malt. Okay. So the uh, the composition it, it's you you'll find a lot of dunkles out there that that aren't far off in that kind of uh, basis of uh, of Munich malt percentage. Okay. What, what about your yeast in this beer? It's all Vine Stefan thirty four seventy. Thirty four seventy. All uh, all the beers we make except for the the Hefeweizen and have the, the same yeast strain in it. Okay. Yeah. We've got our own little bioreactor for making it at the brewery. Okay. Wow. I've got some questions lined up for you about that yeast too. Gotcha. So glad you mentioned that. Hmm. I'm getting, I'm definitely actually now, John, um, I am getting a, that very dry finish. It doesn't come to, it doesn't yeah. hit you right away. It's rich all But the as through. we're talking and I'm not having a drink, mm-hmm. it really does dry right up, which I, which I think is a good quality. And you get in a like beer. A, a puckering on the side of your cheeks. Yeah. I think it's from the Munich. Yeah. The, you know. It's also good commercially because it makes you just, Want to have another one and not be done, <laughs> done with one? Well, you saw the movie Strange Brew, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my religion. There you go. <laughs> nice <laughs> work. Put that little extra chemical in there just to get you to buy more. No, I'm joking. I'm going to actually say this right now. For anybody uh, as successful as Gordon Biersch to come in and say that uh, <laughs> that Strange Brew is a, is a sort of a business model, that's genius to me. <laughs> like that is right up my alley. You know, none of this like uh, pull out the marketing books for me. I'm like, hey. What did Belushi say about it? <laughs> and if Belushi thought it was good, it works. <laughs> nice. Okay. I can drive that truck. It's a 15 speed, but I can drive it. It's a beer truck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Doc, and, and I might call you silent Doc for the rest of the show. Uh, what do you, what are you tasting over there? Oh, I, I think it's great. It's, uh, well, we get it right, we got it right from the brewery. Yeah. Which is, uh, well, better than all you guys back east. But, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's very clean. Mm. The maltiness comes straight through without being overly sweet and laying on your tongue. And uh, I like what you were talking about it being you know, the caramunic coming through with you know, the caramelized sugars that don't get fermented that stay in there. Yeah. And what is it about ten percent or five percent? Five. Five percent. Okay. Is there any particular flavor, good or bad, uh, that you that stands out to you that you that you could talk about on the palate? I just like the way it all comes together. I've had a lot of Martins, and some are either just too bitter, and it, it just bites my tongue, or they're too sweet, and it just lays there, and I don't want any more. Mm-hmm. And this one just, it's nice all the way through. Yeah. It it really, maybe it's because it's so dang fresh. I don't know. but yeah, that too. It always helps. I mean, the, the darker beers, for some reason there is this anomaly, the, the thought that, um, darker beers would hold up better, but they really don't. Uh, the caramel malts, caramel malts are really um, subjective to, to any kind of age, heat, oxidation, and light. Mm. They're much more um, subjective. Uh, they can change faster than, a, than in flavor than, than any other types of malt. So okay. the fresher, the better on Meritzen for sure. It, okay. it, it's, it holds up pretty well, but, you know, if, if it's kept cold, most beers when they're kept cold and refrigerated – We'll I, I, I real, literally, the, the consumer's not going to know the difference uh, for until three months. Uh, if it's put out in a warm, in a back closet area that's mm-hmm. 75, 80 degrees. Yeah, yeah. a warm I, truck I, jostled around in yeah, a warm that's truck. Right. That's yeah, that's a good combo. <laughs> that, you know, I can literally, if it sits at that temperature for a week, I can tell the difference. Gotcha. Yeah, and that, that's the hard part. Well, it accelerates can, all the oxidation stuff. It really does. And you can tell that that was what caused that difference that you taste, too? Absolutely. You can. Okay. Yeah. I know that it... it Merges into like a progression of different flavors that that will will give you first the 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 thing is it's a really strong caramel flavor that'll come through and not not this clean 
Yeah, not the malt, clean, not the yeah. clean finish, but it's a thicker caramel flavor that that comes through first. Mm. Then you get cardboard, and then you get sherry. Right. Yep. And that's those are the the worst things. And then you get this entirely grainy flavor when it's really been mishandled for for ages. Right. That I hate. Yeah, that's bad news. Right so there. you know, my goal in life is to to keep it fresh. Okay. That's, that's our motto, and that's why we put on every bottle the the bottling date and time. Yeah. Cool. Brew nice. number, so we can Skip track them. Consumer. You know, I. I'll tell you this. Before I was a brewer and before I got into, you know, uh, being around a bunch of guys like you where I was able to gain a bunch of good information, uh, I was, a, I, I was, I'm really a skeptical consumer in general. Uh, I just, I, I don't like marketing campaigns in general and I'm, I'm just, I try to look everything, uh, look at everything as critically as I can. And when Budweiser did the Born On campaign, I really, I was upset by the whole thing. I just thought it was a ridiculous thing to do. And now I, 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 I realized that I actually was ridiculous to think that because, um, you know, maybe not necessarily with Budweiser, but, but, but beer is beer yeah. in that sense. And, and, uh, and putting a date in the bottle is really important so that you can know at least so that you can know how long it potentially sat in a warm warehouse before you yeah. got it. It is a food, I mean, you know? You know, absolutely. And, uh, and it's not so much a marketing tool as I originally thought. Yeah. Without Bud and Coors, we would not have any refrigerated warehousing going on in the distribution network. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. Because brewers our size don't have the clout to, to get distributors to handle beer the right way. Right. AB and Coors does. Good point. That's, so we, we gotta be thankful. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And product rotation. Yeah. Uh, the bud distributors are the kings of that. Okay. Yeah, they they are fanatical. About Just dump sure. the bad stuff and make sure only the good stuff goes. They don't even allow it to happen. That's what's amazing. You go into a bar, a bud distributor goes into a bar and actually goes through the refrigerator and make sure that the product is brought to the front, the older stuff, and that the new stuff, new beer is uh, is put in the back shelf so that it rotates correctly. Same in the supermarkets. And and I gotta say, you know, most of the Miller distributors could give a. Okay. About no, it, rats yeah. ask about it. Yeah, know, they really don't care. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So that is really actually, you know, paying attention to quality in that sense. You yep. know, you really want that stuff to go. All right, very nice. Maybe they'll come on the show after all, John. We just yeah. put a good word in. Yeah, right? we did. Daniela, go ahead. Some of the chat listeners would like to hear my opinion about the Mertz, actually, ah. and this is why I tried to grab it from you. So I have to say, it's very smooth. I really like it. What I like about those kind of beers is that I can drink them easily. I'm not into like extremely bitter beers, and I think this is great. Dog, you're right. It, t- it tastes totally fresh. And somebody asked me how I would compare his one as an American beer to the German beers. Good like question. You can drink there. And I have to say, it's really, I can tell you're influenced by German brewing, and it's definitely in the same range, like the big breweries in Germany, the big good ones. I'll protect you if you want to tell them it's not very good. I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's but definitely it's definitely very good. Yeah, we already bonded earlier. We're, you, know, <laughs> you guys are all pals now. But you know what's interesting? It's very difficult these days to even find merits, and you, to find merits on tap in a Bavarian... Um, art. It's very difficult. Yeah, you only find it like on special occasions. Actually, yep. that's where you can drink it, or you go to the liquor store and th- stores and find bottles there. Mm-hmm. Most of the Meriton is shipped over to the United States as Oktoberfest beer. Okay. What? Yeah, really? yeah. Polana and Spaten both make. Uh, they do that. Yeah, their Oktoberfest beers are their Meritons, and it's it's mo- the majority of it's shipped over here. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that is weird. But that's uh, my, one of my alma maters. I worked at Spaten. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I got, got that written down. You spent a oh, little time there as an intern. Yep. Okay. I'm going to get into your history, too. Yeah. I'm going to get into your history, too. Okay. We can wrap up this segment uh, by just asking you, Dan, are there any particular flavors, uh, since it's your beer, that you can note on the palate for our listeners that you can really pick out that maybe we haven't covered? No. I I I think the the clean 
balanced flavor profile is is what I'm going after in making this beer. The richness of the caramel malt that that comes through in the aftertaste that lingers, and that's that's part of the key signature and the flavor profile of of this beer. Uh, it's got to be a rich rich body. Um, you, but when we ferment it so far down, meaning that there isn't that much residual sugar in order to have the continued body, we have to start at a very high original gravity and and 13.5. It's interesting that uh, classification for a Meritzen, you can actually it's one of the few beers that you're allowed to go over 14 percent in gravity. Okay. Um, in in original gravity, it's called the Lückenbier in Germany, mm-hmm. and there's a, a very st- distinct um, tax brackets for uh, for different beers, mm-hmm. and and between fourteen and sixteen percent, you're not allowed to brew any beers uh, with fourteen to sixteen gravity. After sixteen percent, it goes in the Bach category. Okay. Under fourteen percent, it it goes in the regular tax rate, and uh, uh, it's this is the only beer that they allow to go into different ranges. So you'll find Meritsons that are in in anywhere from this twelve point five percent range up to about fourteen and a half percent. Okay, and thirteen and a half percent is kind of the traditional. Thirteen percent is the traditional level for uh, for fest beers or or Ur Meritsen types. Oh, are we talking Plato? Yeah. Okay. Plato. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, that's, like I, I don't know even how to translate those. It's about it's four like times. At a thousand and multiply by four? No, just multiply times four. Oh, okay. If you're close enough no, that Same way. thing, okay. Uh-huh. All right. Okay, very good. So there, I hope you're enjoying your Meriton as we are. Um, there is definitely a difference. It, it, it is fresh as it is. That's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. And I thought you might like to know, Dan, that, uh, one of our listeners, Billy, said he was in New Hampshire last month and had some of your Meriton in a bottle at a bar. In New Hampshire. Unbelievable. <laughs> outrage. <laughs> that is an outrage. I don't know how it gets out there. It's that wholesale just, thing. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm so, uh, Smuggled. I've had it in, in, in eastern states also, which is kind of why I was like, okay, why don't we just make that our official taster? And then as I'm doing my research, I'm going, wait a minute. They're only on these like 10 states sort of in the west. But no one was complaining in the forum or anywhere else saying, uh, hey, I can't find the beer. That's unbelievable. Did you know that New Hampshire, I believe, is the highest per capita beer consumption state in the United States? Is that right? Yeah. That's what hmm, I heard. That's weird. That was tough. <laughs> it's uh, only a little bit out in the sticks. <laughs> Dan, have you ever tried aging your beer for like a year just at lager temps? Oh, yeah, we do that. Oh, oh, you mean you mean in the in the like, tank? Well, yeah, no, in a bottle. I'm just curious if you I mean was sitting age, around after it's filtered. Yeah, in a bottle, and I lagered proper temp control. Yeah, we 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 do it at the brewery every now and then just to see how long it, it'll it'll stay drinkable. When it's refrigerated, uh, we've done it for nine months, and it's still still pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's it's beer responds well to cold temperatures. It right. won't it won't oxidize. It won't change. Okay, it's once you heat it up. Okay. Is, is when you have big problems. It takes like a day or two to do that. I mean, to notice a difference. Yeah, uh, it takes us about a week to find find a difference, okay. and that's that's around eighty degrees. Okay. We used to just take cases, stick it up on the roof mm-hmm. during the summertime, um, and then take a bottle every day to figure out when when we didn't like it. Oh. yeah, it's a great that's idea. That's real technical stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's a, such a you know what? Sometimes you need to just be practical about it, and that's yeah. a great idea. You know, how long can it just sit in the sun like it's probably going to occasionally Oof, yeah. before you can drink it? And uh, what did you find? It, it didn't taste very good after about a couple of weeks. You know, 100 degrees in the summertime, that's the, it gets, it ages very quickly. I'm actually surprised to hear you say a couple of weeks. I, I thought you might expo- say a couple an, days. No, it's an exponential deal. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm, I'm talking about where you get that grainy, cardboardy, uh, disgusting yeah. flavor. Where it's you know? just bad beer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. 
All right. Here's what I want to do. I want to start talking about you and then in turn Gordon Biersch uh, Brewery. Um, but I'd like to start a little bit with your history as a brewer because I, I think people need to know that and they need to know who they're talking to because uh, you could be just some schlub we picked up off the street. They don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I doubt so, that. But <laughs> so maybe we should find out a little bit about that. Um, and, and, and the first question I would ask is uh, how long have you been, and, and it doesn't have to be as a, as a professional brewer, how long have you been into brewing? I'd say it's more into beer. Okay. That's the first thing. I started, I started drinking my, I was very fortunate. My parents took, uh, took me as a young wee lad, uh, when I was 11 years old in Germany, uh, went to one of those little street festivals and I got to sip some beer and I actually liked the flavor. Okay. And we got hooked into it. We drank wine at dinner when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. I was allowed to have some. And then, uh, we went back when I was 15. And I went to street festivals again, mm. the little town festivals, and, and drank large quantities of beer. Very nice. <laughs> it was great. At every lunch, you know, I'd do it. And my parents were kind of curious why I was always passing out at, uh, in the afternoon and wanted to take a long nap. Yeah. But I was, I, I got into the flavor then. And then I was an exchange student, uh, when I was 17 in, um, in Austria. And, uh, one of the, the neighbors of, uh, of the family I was staying with actually had a brewery. Okay. It was uh, in Riedenimkreis. It's a small town in, in Oberösterreich, which is upper Austria. Great area. Small town brewery, man. You gotta love that. Yeah. Yeah. High school yeah. student, 17, recent, college, recent high school graduate. Yeah. I went to town. Nice. And, uh, so I was, I was definitely into beer. Okay. Um, from a consum- consumer standpoint. Yeah. Then I, and uh, consumption standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> consumption, large, large quantities. Yeah. So I love beer. And uh, then I was at Berkeley uh, as an undergrad, and sophomore year in in college, I got uh, a uh, a job, jock job, you know, the famous athletic department jobs that, yeah. that you hear about, uh, yeah. where you just show up for work and don't do anything. Yeah. Not mine. I was at the canneries in Sunnyvale, and I was supposed to pick rotten fruit off the assembly line, and saw. Uh, I was actually I had some physics classes, so I I got hired to be in the engineering department. Nice. And that was a good, good deal for me. Yeah, I paid well and, and I was saving up the money to go as an exchange student to, uh, Göttingen, um, in my junior year at Cal. They had an exchange, uh, program. So I, I'd been studying German while I was at Cal and, and was able to, to convince the, uh, the German department that I really wanted to be a German major and go, and go over there. Actually, I just wanted to go have fun for a year. Yeah, sure. And I was thumbing through a catalog of everything you could study. Uh, at, at all the German universities, and I saw Brauwesen and Getränketechnologie, which translates to be uh, brewing science and, and beverage technology. Okay. Thought it was perfect. Here we go. I, you know, I love food processing, manufacturing, and I certainly uh, would prefer to make beer than canned fruit cocktail. And uh, ended up applying for the Technical University of Munich uh, to go to that, that graduate program. Yeah. Got some hands-on experience uh, at the time. I applied to to get an internship at Anheuser at, at Anchor Steam and then New Albion, which is uh, which is new up in uh, in the in the North Bay, mm-hmm. and uh, I ended up actually getting a job with Anheuser Busch, backdooring it through the union. Okay, and and that, I got hands on experience. And one of the good things I really learned there was how to brew clean. What? I mean, hygiene was all it was all about hygiene. What exactly was your position there? I was a brewer. You were a yeah. brewer, okay. I, actually, technically, I was called a temp brewer. Okay. So they called me up uh, to work weekends primarily for guys that uh, that were either sick, no shows, or whatever. Gotcha. And I did a lot of graveyard shift work, which I liked. Okay. Yeah, um, it was it was a good deal because you, you got paid double. Yeah. For working from very uh, nice from I think it was midnight till eight in the morning. Okay. And, and at that, if if I could ask a little bit about that position. Um, is it 
I, I, I'm looking, I'm picturing you there with this, with this giant manual of step by step, this is exactly what you have to do kind of a process. Is that, is that right? Or? No. It, it was all hands on training. Really? Okay. Yeah. It was, it was Kunta Kinte, one brewer showing another. Gotcha. For what I was doing. Uh, I, I never saw a manual. The only manuals I saw were on, on safety, such as how to lift, and you had to sign sure. off, you know, to show that, the, the, the test was, could you lift a 50 pound bag? Gotcha. And, and, <laughs> and then I other, might, otherwise, I, I was, fail, I was scrubbing way. tanks. So the, the, the work I was doing as a brewer there, that my actual paid job wasn't really, uh, training me a lot on the technical aspects, except how to be clean and the okay. importance of hygiene, which is, which is a fundamental root of, of consistent brewing. Sure. Uh, but I had a lot of extra time there. So I would spend going at the different departments and learning about work cooling, going to the brew house, going to filtration, so I could get all around training. Gotcha. The only thing I didn't get trained on was bottling. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I actually maybe I just want to write it down because I'd like to get back to uh, sort of the hygiene that you learned there. I'm sure that uh, you've translated that over to Gordon Biersch now, that sort of meticulous, keep it clean, keep it consistent kind of thing. Yep. Um and would you say that your consistency as as Gordon Biersch kind of stems from from that also? I mean, among your other education? Yeah, okay. yeah. It, it, a huge influence was was learning learning about brewery hygiene. Gotcha. How long were you there for? At AB? Yeah. I, it was from June till October, and I was nineteen eighty two. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, so you've been fascinated with with German. Uh, not just beer, but with Germany and German beer since the beginning. It yeah. sounds to me, you know, that was all you tried to go there for, you know, internships and exchanges and all that. Right? Oh yeah. Okay. Fair enough. It looks, I, it looks like you're pretty fascinated by Germany. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My fascination uh, stems from a different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but absolutely, yeah. In fact. Um, <laughs> I was talking today that like <laughs> caught him off guard. That yeah, that's hard to do. By the way, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I could spend five five years in Germany, be awesome. Love to do that. Learn the language out there. Did you learn the language while you were in Germany or before? I know you took classes at Cal. But yeah, it was my junior abroad at Berkeley okay. when, when I was in, uh, in Göttingen. But it was abroad that you learned it mostly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I took two years of classes, but I was pretty lazy. Gotcha. I mean, I did, the, I did the bare minimum to pass all those classes so I could get over there. I, hear I mean, I, I wasn't a German major, and, yeah. and it was all designed to get people over there that were looking at, at German instruction as a career and right. uh, literature. And yeah. I went over there and <laughs> played jazz and made nice. money and took sociology of tourism classes. You know, it's, gotcha. You're a musician. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, you just said play jazz. Yeah. You what do you play? Uh, trauma. Really? Yeah. Very nice. Awesome. Paid my way through school doing it. Is that right? Pretty much, yeah. You still yeah. play? Yeah. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah, oh. we are. And you are the first American in, in around over 40 years, and I don't know if this is still true, I don't know when you wrote this, uh, first American over 40 years to graduate from the Brewing Engineering Program at, uh, I always get it wrong, but Weinstefan? Weinstefan, yeah. Weinstefan. Yeah. Uh, first American, and and what was that like over there? Yeah, well, it, it was pretty <laughs> funny when I applied for the graduate program. Um, I uh, I didn't hear back, and I was kind of curious, you know, if what where my life was going to go because I had applied, and and I figured they send you a letter of acceptance with a thick packet like you get from an American yeah. university. Well, it doesn't quite work that way. I called up. Um, I was technically making a transfer because I'd exmatriculated from Göttingen, and and it wasn't that big of a process apparently to to get into the to grad school once you had already been accepted by the, into the German university system. Okay, but uh, I called up in the uh, the admissions uh, 
director said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're accepted. Uh, doesn't mean you're going to last very long, but you're accepted. And I go, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I'm, I found out later on that they very, ha- they had a high attrition rate. Um, okay. Of the 95 people that started with me in the, in the, the program, only 17 finished. No kidding. So that, that's why it's so difficult, why not very many Americans. Uh, first of all, there have been very few Americans that had, had gone through, wanted to go through the program. Yeah. Why do you think that the, was? Well, it's a five, the engineering program's five years and the brewmaster program's two. Okay. So you could substitute out if, you uh, could be a doctor. <laughs> yeah. If you worked in a brewery <laughs> for a year. Yeah, I had nine years of college, and, yeah. and all I can do is brew beer. But it was a it was a great deal. I mean, I I, I think from my combined you know nine years of college, it only cost fifteen thousand dollars. That's that's that's, a, that's a good deal. Yeah, that is a great thank you deal. the German government for yeah, uh, for absolutely. paying for my graduate school. Yeah, and Daniela good, good one, isn't it? does that mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, I didn't pay anything for my master's degree in economics and marketing. Nothing. Not it's a penny. A, it's a heck of a deal. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm 20 grand in debt, and I'm a, a drunken radio host. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So, there you go. <laughs> so the uh, anyway, the, the engineering program was was very difficult, okay. and I thought you know compared to classes at Cal, uh, it was a it was ten times harder. The mm. passing level, the passing grades were. Uh, we're just, I consider them to be A level from what I took at Berkeley. Okay. And they just made it more difficult. The problem is, is that, uh, you have classes from November through to the end of July, and then you have this break, and then you take all of your exams for all your classes hmm. in a three week time frame from That's the right. end of September to the, wow. the beginning of October. And that's the German technical university system. Yeah. I mean, what Danielle had, she probably had for her, her exams were probably at the entire end of, of her studies because the LMU, which is the, the, uh, the, um, liberal arts university mm-hmm. in Munich had a completely different system. They had, uh, like a two year exam and then at the very end, everything's on the line at the very end. And could have, you, could tough. you have taken brewing engineering there also? No, the, the, you couldn't the have. technical university of Munich has all the engineering, uh, studies right. and the LMU had the, uh, the, the fun stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. The okay. Good stuff. <laughs> gotcha. We had, we had, uh, I think, uh, Two females for every 120. That's males. what I just wanted to say that to you. Doesn't have any girls. Oh, no, it was, right. it was depressing. Yeah, and certainly nobody. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that right now. Most of the women in my class had to shave. <laughs> That's probably good. Yeah, yeah. you might have been one of the uh, 97 people that didn't make it to the end of the class. Yeah, right? it would have been tough. It was good to have no distractions. But the, the, so. Really, we had about four years of classes and then a year and a half of research. Okay. That's the, a year of research. Some guys took a year and a half. And after that, if you wanted to continue, which is to get a PhD for the, which I consider the kiss of death in engineering. Okay. Is, a, is an extra two years. Cause all you can do with that is teach. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what type of brewing what classes did you have? Well, you had some core classes the first couple of years that, that were their basic engineering classes. Uh, the microbiology was all Oriented towards brewing. Okay. Then in the, in the third and fourth year, you got into some really, really technical, like, uh, you know, the, the, the theory and action of, of malt, wort production, you know, malting and wort production. Wow. This technical a- microbiology, uh, you know, analytical chemistry, as well as lab chemistry that's specific towards the brewing industry, uh, thermodynamics, and then you would go straight into, uh, steam systems and refrigeration. So everything was very, very specific towards, towards brewing, which is what made- down the science and the process of Caretaking yeah. beer? Or just making beer and caretaking beer? Or? Well, everyone has already worked in breweries. So oh. you're supposed to, this is to, to give you the theory and applications. Okay. Uh, so the, uh, to enhance the knowledge you already knew from actually making beer. Now, were you Everybody, brewing? 
at the time? Everybody, yeah, I had already brewed. Okay. I'd already worked at Anheuser-Busch, and then I'd worked at Spaten. Okay. So I, I did Spaten in, in between my first and second semester okay. to get hands-on experience. And then one of the unique things is when you get into the, the third year, you're treated like a, an accomplished you know, a graduate. Mm. So the, the, the contact, the, the professor to student ratio gets to one to one. You know, that's, that's how much you have 17 people in your class and there's so much, uh, resources made to your avail. They have three pilot breweries right on campus. So I got to spend awesome. six months working with, you know, my home brewing background was working with a million dollar brewery. Wow. It was just insane <laughs> yeah, having great. that kind of technology, you know, and, yeah. and you'd walk in there and, and it'd just be a dream come true for the three of you. Yeah. You're walking into a brewery that, that you could just, Access anytime you wanted wow. to do any project you want. That's and that's great. pretty pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what did you do? With, what did you do with the beer that you produced there? We actually, um, my thesis work involved a lot of brewing. Okay. Um, and I did uh, the influence of specific yeast strains on the flavor quality. So so I did a, a, both a chemical analysis of what the byproduct flavor components were from on, you know volatile compounds like like uh, acetaldehyde and all these others that Im- impact the flavor uh, through. Uh, uh, you know, the actual tasting and we got to use the DLG, which is the, uh, the, the all powerful German tasting, uh, panel that, uh, adjudicates all the beers in, in Europe. Mm, okay. You know, and it's, uh, it's, it was fantastic. You get to sit there and listen to them yak about beer. Yeah. And the subtleties that they pick up, you know, we do a common word, common word for all the beers. So all 15 beers had the same word basis, but we diff- vary the yeast strains. Right. And yeast is, it's got the most impact, I feel, on the flavored beer. Sure. So handling of yeast and, and, and the way, uh, the way, uh, it metabolizes and such has got such, such an impact that just listening to these guys being able to pick, and these, these are guys that are tasting, you know, yeah. three times a week. Yeah. And, and going through it. I'm thinking right now, as home brewers, we you know we send our beers to competitions so that they can be judged by certified judges. It's a crapshoot, man. But imagine having your beers, uh, you know, being judged essentially by the by the panel that decides about beer that's distributed in Germany. I would give up that's, any medal for that. <laughs> that's you know. unbelievable. That's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a, well, it's a heck of a of a of a lot of constructive criticism. I'm yeah. sure. Oh, it's a tough crowd to please. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the subtleties are are unbelievable. What, yeah. what, they, what they could pick out. What do they think of your beers now? They, they, you know what? I've uh, I've never actually had a complete critical analysis of it. it. It's only been on a friendly basis. Okay. And uh, I haven't had really the balls to to send it over to them. They get ripped apart. <laughs> I would think that that's a smart move on your part, actually, because li- listen, it, it's selling. You don't need to feel bad about yourself. The nice part, I've, I've had a lot of my classmates and friends that that run breweries over there, and they're brutally okay. honest. So, okay. so they'll sit in front of me and, and give me their 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 two cents worth. And the professors that have come over have told me, um, you know, on the record, what how they feel about it, and I, okay. I've I've been pretty happy. And okay. it's it's I think I've fulfilled. Uh, Fulfilled their their uh, their requirements for for good beer. Right after that, once you differentiate between good and bad, it's all subtleties. Okay, mm-hmm. so they don't mind you claiming a graduate of their uh, program. No, actually, I <laughs> I, uh, I I'm still treated like uh, persona grata. Ah, I say. that's very so, nice. Uh, they uh, I I went over there this June and I got to uh, speak or lecture to one of the classes in uh, in microbiology. Oh, uh, it's they call it, um, uh, biotechnology too for brewing. Which, uh, which is a good, good department. My alma mater. It's where I did all my research and they're, they're good guys. Professor Donhauser came out, uh, who's, there are two kingpin professors when I was going to school there. Professor Nartsis and Professor Donhauser. One was the malt and wort production, uh, 
guru. Okay. He's, he's known as the foremost, uh, expert in the world, I think, on, on, on brewing personally. Uh, he's considered the beer pops, which is the beer god, you know, okay. beer pope. Wow. Yeah, he's retired now. All he does is go around. He's, he's old. Oh. Uh, great guy though. I mean, okay. very friendly and, and a very positive reinforcement type. But he's the Bill Walsh of brewing. Fair enough. That's, that's, yeah. there you go. Okay. And then, uh, Professor Donhauser was, uh, the guy that, uh, they got in all the genetic engineering and identification of yeast strains, and, yeah. and that's who I did my thesis for. And and he came out, had dinner with me a couple nights, and we we all hung hung out together. It was a great, great thing. Big reunion. Good experience. Yeah. yeah. All right. Here's what I want to do. I got a ton of questions from our listeners for you. Sure. Right. But we all got to pee and get a beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Not in that order, though. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you one quick question uh, from from our listeners, which I think is a good one. It's it's a cool question, and then we're gonna take just a really quick break, uh, one or two songs, enough time for us to refill, and then we got a lot more questions for you. I'm, I I got a whole line for you, so uh, people are really interested in what you're doing. Um, while you were at Anheuser Busch, did you ever want to change one of the recipes just for fun? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's from awesome our listeners. No, I didn't know enough about how to how to even do that, so I was learning. But what was really neat is. Is a lot of people don't realize what exactly high gravity brewing means. Uh-huh. So what they do is they make a stronger beer. They ferment it down. This is primarily because of the the protein, uh, the lack of protein in rice that they have to brew higher concentrated beer using the malt uh, because it's about thirty percent rice. Okay. And in order to get the uh, the amino acid balance in there prior to fermentation. So anyway, they uh, have this what we call the good stuff. Okay. Up, up in the the uh, fermenters and the aging tanks. That roughly is uh, equivalent of about 16% original gravity. Wow. Oh, yeah. So we were drinking out of that. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think everybody – I think it was an unwritten rule that you never spoke about it and okay. let, didn't let people know. Yeah. But we were drinking some good <laughs> beer. I'll just tell you that. That's but, actually a cool before, story. Yeah, before it got diluted down sure. uh, with carbonated water on the way to the bottling line. So gotcha. that's, that's the nature of high-gravity brewing. Is you brew a stronger beer, you hit fewer – uh, fewer tanks, yeah. aging capacity. You get you stretch out more capacity out of the brewery. Yeah, but we it was good. Did you have to sign a big hush hush agreement when you left Anheuser Busch? No, no, really, no, not at all. Of, see, I got this big. I'm evil glad we clarified that too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we were. It was interesting. We could also drink uh, all we wanted on the job, which I thought was an incredible thing. Wow! Like as in, in tasting or I, drinking? I'm talking drinking. They had the can line in particular. Um, had a lot of misfills. Yeah. Uh, they would be short. And, and the, every can is weighed as it goes past the sensor to make sure. And if it gets rejected, they put it in the cooler in the uh, the, the lunchroom. Okay. And you'd be able to go help yourself on the job to as much beer as you wanted. This is before people, you know, the dram laws and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. So they didn't want to encourage drinking on the job later on. Right. But while I was there, man, we kept, I was drinking. I was living off of beer. <laughs> right. Literally. That was lunch, dinner. They didn't give us any cases to take home unless we had a perfect safety record. So we got one case of beer at the end of the month, and we had a, a perfect safety record while I was there. So yeah. I got a whopping, you know, two cases of beer or three cases of beer to take home. Gotcha. Which I still was, have it. I thought it was really really ironic i was drinking a lot of ab beer that i would i always support the the home team you know nice. if, if someone's feeding me i'm gonna sure. be loyal as, as can be sure but that was it you know i was drinking a lot of that beer that's a great uh it's a great job description if you ask me actually yeah. you get the good stuff upstairs you're allowed to drink whatever downstairs that's brilliant that's a good job yeah <laughs> it all changed subsequent i know someone screwed up do you uh, have the same practices at the gordon beer brewery guys, guys Mike, allowed to drink yeah it's it's there's no policy okay. um you know guys taste all the time every 
brewer has to sign off on every tank of beer before it gets uh, packaged. Okay. That's our that's my policy. Okay. And and the thing is is that we're so consistent that sometimes the guys get, you know, that's fine. I don't I don't know. They don't actually taste every day, which ah, okay. which we try to reinforce. We get get them to do it, but it's all moderation. Uh, my brewers get to take as much beer as they want home. Gotcha. Yeah. So if they want a keg, we usually take it straight out of the tank, do it unfiltered. Right. Yeah. My ultimate goal in life is if if I had a dream come true, mm-hmm. all beer would be fresh. All beer would be unfiltered, and it, and it would be uh, handled properly once it left the brewery. Right. That's my my wish list of things to do. It's a little beer heaven. Would that it really would be. That'd yeah. be an, and the world would be a perfect place. Though. Yeah. <laughs> would your beer last longer if it was unfiltered? No. Actually, what happens is it, unfiltered beer, um, the yeast goes through autolysis when it's at room temperature, mm-hmm. meaning it dissolves and takes the bottle beer takes on a musky flavor. So it's got to be kept cold. Okay. To really to really fulfill it. And then even if it's not kept cold, I would say after a month, unfiltered beer starts to, uh, lager beers in particular, uh, top fermented beers, you know, in Hefeweizen, they have so much strong flavor components that they cover up the autolysis flavor, uh, or the medicinal flavor, the phenolic flavor that you get out of, uh, in a lager when the, the yeast is sitting around and dissolves. So that's the, the hard part. It's good to know. Yeah. Alright, we gotta take a quick break. We're here with Dan Gordon of the Gordon Beersch Brewing Company, uh, giving us lots of good information. I'm having a good time. I'm, I'm learning a lot. I got a ton of questions in front of me, so chat room, don't think I'm ignoring your questions. Right when we come back, I'm just gonna hammer the guy with him, so don't you worry about that. Uh, we'll get to it. If you wanna call up and talk directly, 888-401-BEER. It's the Brewing Network. We'll be right back. Yes, sir. We're here with Dan Gordon of the Gordon Beersch Brewing Company, hanging it, out with us. It's Dobblebach. Yeah, we're drinking right now. Uh, it's not even out yet, or it just it, came it, out? It's hitting the shelf right now. Hitting the shelves as we speak. Did you say you pulled this off the bottling line for us? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It, was, it was being bottled on Friday. It's a very dark, dark Dobblebach. so malty. And- which is what makes it good. I was telling you at the break we were about to have a little conversation. At least I think we were. My half was a conversation anyway. <laughs> Where I'm getting that, this lack of a better word, a, a chocolatey flavor, which is, it's, I, I don't actually think it's chocolate, but what's that really malty thing I'm getting there? Yeah, this is brewed with about uh, 70% dark roasted malt. Mm. So that's that's why it's you more get that roasty yeah. thing I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Which dark roasted malt? It's got a lot of Munich malt in it. And uh, then it has caramel, caramel, caramel Munich in it, and then it also has this malt called Carafas Special, okay. which is a huskless, dark roasted malt, and that's got a very small percentage of that. Interesting. You, that gives an intense flavor. Do you, do you, do you get that? Grain? Uh, no, that's that's just that one. Just part. that one. Okay. The environment makes that. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. I have a lot of, of of other questions to kind of get us through uh, from what I know of your background as a brewer, but let me hit up our, our listener questions first, and I'm just going to kind of throw them at you. And so, so it's going to be kind of random. Uh, do any of your brews use adjuncts? No. No. You are a Reinheitsgebot purist. Reinheitsgebot. Thank you. 
purist you are. Yes, we are. Yeah? To the extreme. Okay. So much that, that you shun beers that don't follow, or just that it's not your thing? It's not my thing. He just okay. doesn't know about that stuff. <laughs> it wasn't in his know. training. <laughs> <laughs> we don't uh, even add any chemicals to balance out the pH of the water or the alkalinity of the water. We do something very unique. We uh, make lactic acid. We have propagators that have lactic bacillus in it, which... If for all everybody out there doesn't realize, that's what turns beer into grapefruit juice wow. from a flavor standpoint. So we produce lactic acid from our wort uh, using lactobacillus, and then we add that to bring our pH in line during our mashing and boiling uh, section. So Whoa. when we're when we're mashing, we will dial in the pH exactly to five point four. Okay. Yeah. That, that, and there's that, wait, that's your mash. Okay, your pH. But how do you add the proper percentage of lacto to your water? I mean, I mean how do you control that? No, he makes a, a, a brew of lactic yeah. acid and then puts a portion of that until it comes down to 5.4. Yeah, so we do a pH measurement and dose until we get the right pH. And are we it's talking a different way of getting acid? So he just does it naturally to get acid. But that's, is, is this in a separate water tank or no? Uh, it's it's just just imagine that we have a, a separate fermenter okay. off to the side, and we'll take out some of this lactic acid. We'll feed it wort again so that it can produce over during the next eight hours and we have two of these reactors going on okay to to make lactic acid and it comes out about a one between one and a half and three percent uh, concentration of lactic acid now i assume that dies during your mash uh, yeah yeah acid. lactobacillus are not very resilient okay first they, they require well they'll they'll die off pretty much you know at 100, 145, 150 degrees right. so you look at pretty, them wrong and they die yeah, yeah, yeah they dissolve you, yeah. you don't see any ghosts even of uh of of the lactobacillus organisms, the, wow. the little microorganisms. But the neat thing, this is very traditional German brewing. You know, mm. that's that's the way. Um, there, you've also heard the terminology sour malt, mm. uh, which is acidified malt. Basically, it's asphyxiated and becomes becomes sour during the uh, during the uh, germination process. Mm. And this is just another another way of doing it in the brewery. Okay. As opposed to having adding acidulated malt. Okay. Mm. Now, of your twelve brewery restaurants. Do they all is, is there just is there more than twelve now? They're nineteen. They're nineteen now. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Got to update that Ooh. site. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, that's they got to. Uh, I'm we the king that. of not updating we, my we, site. We, we, <laughs> that's in my text and in the, in the uh, on my part. It's my autobio, but the uh, actual the rest of the site okay has the it. correct amount. So, so nineteen now. Yeah. And do they all brew? Yeah. Uh, they do. Authenticity so, through and through. How do you control for the different water at different – I know you're adjusting the pH, but that's not the, the chemical balance. That's not the only thing in the chemical uh, makeup of your water. How are you controlling consistent beer in those places given different water? Well, what's, what's really neat is you have really two types of, uh, of brewery locations in, in the Gordon Beer world. One's with good water supplies coming from the sea. Okay. For instance, San Francisco and Honolulu have phenomenal fresh water supplies. Okay. Then you have some of the real bad ones like Southern California, San Jose, mm-hmm. um, Tempiera. Arizona, those locations, and we contract out with a company called Ionics, and they okay. put in these fancy dancy water treatment facilities that uh, that produce RO water and takes blended uh, filtered city water, and we get to the right hardness of about 150 parts uh, total dissolved solids, part okay. per million of total dissolved solids. So you're still so, using local water, you're just you're cutting it. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta handle it, you gotta okay. treat it. I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was curious because without having to add things to it, you, that's how you have to do it. Yep, you okay. want you want to get the water balanced at the source, 
And how close is your consistency then it, having it, done that? It ranges. You know, the best part is that when you have a large brewery, you can, you can get it spot on. The range and hardness is probably 100 to 200 parts per million because you, you can't get the same kind of quality machinery okay. in a smaller scale. But that's how it's done. Okay. Uh, you have to be careful if you buy, uh, like, a rain water softener system uh, yeah. that that has a charged resin. That can strip out too much of the minerals. So you, if you're doing that, if you're taking soft water at your home for doing home brewing, you may want to just, you know, get one of those little home uh, testing devices that the, the softener companies can tell, give you. Uh, where you just titrate in some drops and it'll tell you your hardness and and then you can can figure out how how close you are. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a good point. I started using all RO water before I ever did this show and before I ever knew that that was retarded. It won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we, it, we whipped him many many times for that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. osmotic pressure will just destroy the yeast. It'll yeah. die. Yeah, it was. I was but thinking. you know what? It, it won't kill it because you have a lot of minerals in the malt itself. Yeah. It's not gonna. You're you're not gonna fail. Well, I still was ending up with beer. It just was loosely defined as beer. That's all. You know, <laughs> beer. And but of course, at that point too, when you when you brew your first batches, and 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 I like to restate this for for beginners like myself. Um, you know, these are things you don't notice till later anyway. So brew with what you got, and it's gonna turn oh, out just fine. You're just glad you made you're beer. Gonna, the yeah, first you're gonna few times. you're gonna love it. Doesn't matter. My first beer was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was all reverse osmosis water. There was not a mineral in that thing, <laughs> and it was awesome beer. Uh, it's just later on when you start to just because you can, and and you realize that you should. You'll do it later. Um, okay, lots of questions for you. Um, I had a question, and it pertains to this one from a listener as well. He asks, uh, how hard was it to learn German as it pertains to your science courses? And my question along with that is, were, were all of your courses in German? Yeah, they were all in German. They were, okay. And you got to say it's a lot easier studying engineering in German than it would be to study law. Okay. I mean, just think about, you don't have to sure. write any papers. And there's no rhetoric. <laughs> it's all chemical formulas. And dry. Yeah, it, it's, it's a lot easier, I think, studying a technical uh, field in German. Okay. Yeah, some of the lectures, and by the time you get into the wordy courses, yeah, uh, you're 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 pretty fluent. So by the time you started at that institute, you were fluent in German, or not quite yet, or I was fluent. You were fluent. Yeah, okay. I had passed the German entrance exams, which are you you got to speak pretty well. To, you got to do that. Yeah, it's not going to click. Then uh, the problem I had originally is that we're talking about a dialect. A lot of my professors spoke, which is a Bavarian dialect. <laughs> and, and that, which I speak too. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, the accents were tough for me to pick up in the first six months. So I was at a disadvantage on that. Okay. And then after a while, um, there was one, I got to say, there's one professor, the guy that taught water yeah. um, and waste treatment. You know, isn't that great? Wastewater treatment. Yeah, That's yeah. A big, you don't know how big of a business that is, that waste, wastewater treatment. Oh, I it's, bet. it's gigantic. <laughs> and this, this guy was the kingpin of it, and he was a great guy. He's a phenomenal beer drinker and, a, and a, an incredible palate. He's on that DLG uh, tasting p- uh, panel. Okay. But he had such a strong accent. To this day, I can't understand what the hell he's saying. Wow. You know, I, had a, I said, can I have a translator, please? <laughs> yeah. They thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Doc has a great story about uh, doing pretty good by himself, you know, speaking German, until he went to a Chinese food restaurant in Berlin. Oh, yeah. No, no, it was Thai food. Play. Uh, we, were, we were tired of everything else when we went into – actually, I was, I was in southern Germany, and it was kind of tough with some of the dialects in Switzerland. With It's, it's kind of like listening to hillbillies. Yeah. Aww, and, sorry. sorry. What? Get out of my house. We'd go to yeah. or, or just or just or just very strong southern accent in English. What's a hillbilly anyway? Never mind. Um, <laughs> but when I got up into Berlin it was a lot easier. And there were 
it's just Hochdeutsch. And it was very clear and concise to me. And then my wife and I decided to go have some different kind of food. So we went into uh, uh, a Thai food restaurant. And it was Thai, a Thai family running it. And I'm trying to converse with their daughter, who is our waitress, and I can't understand. She can't understand me. And I'm thinking, oh, it's my German. And finally I decided that she can't understand me and I can't understand her because she's speaking German with a Thai accent, a heavy Thai accent. Yeah, you would have been better off with English, probably. <laughs> yeah, I decided, I decided Thai, when you go to the Thai restaurants there, I mean, most of the time, even the Germans are ordering in English. Yeah, I, well, I just ended up pointing, pointing at the thing that had the chicken next to it. There you go. <laughs> All right, um, how do you think your Martzen compares to Spaten's Martzen? I, they're very similar in the way the way they're brewed. I mean, I mean I'll, I'll be up front, mm-hmm. you know, having worked there and knowing both ways. There, sure. There's a classic way. I think what we do is we brew German beers the classical way, going back a couple hundred years, okay. and stick to to the real traditional things. Our advantage is the freshness factor, you know? Yeah. They're shipping their beer in a container via the Panama Canal. It's probably taking six months to get here. Yeah. It's decayed by the time you even get a chance to drink it. Yeah. So I think uh, what we're doing, and my mission and goal is to... Make the same quality German beers that you get in Germany in Bavaria. Yeah, but have them here fresh. But have them here, yeah, which is goal. you know what? It's a great it's a great market niche. It's a great way to serve beer. It's a great way to introduce Americans to original you know to um, traditional beer rather. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Back to your lacto. Uh, do you have issues with lacto running amok? No. No. That's amazing. We are a sterile brewery. Okay. And and it's incredible. Okay. And. It, if you design and engineer it correctly, uh, there's no risk. Okay. And he, has, he has guys. Yeah. <laughs> check on that. Yeah. 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 Well, we, we our our whole thing is microbiological quality control. Okay. That's the name of the game. All right. And we're we'll segue into the to the yeast handling and how we do handle the, the you know that that part a little later on. But uh, sterility is key. Okay. Making sure those pathways are. Are, are purged and cleaned every every time between every use, and then, then you don't have to worry about things like that. Right. All right, we're going to get into those things. I've got four good topics that are going to – I'm sure we're going to have to cut short just just because of time. Let me get to some some frou-frou questions just real quick. What's your uh, – aside from your own, of course, uh, do you have a favorite beer? What is it? And what's your favorite style of beer? Well, you know – Pilsner is what I drink the most of, okay. and, and I, I love uh, I love drinking ours. And I, I'd say the ones I drink when when I'm on the road, mm-hmm. um, when I'm in Germany, I'm, I'm drinking my friends' beers. Okay, there's some small breweries. We drink this uh, small brewery called Schlossbrauerei Al. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little north of Freising or, or north, north of Nuremberg. It's in the Hallertau area. Okay, great beer. All right, you know can't get it here. All right. Bummer. Using Haller Tower, uh, of yeah, course. Yeah, most of the guys up there are you only use. That's where where people are really going to be shocked. I only use Haller Tower middle through hops. Okay. We use in, in all of our brewing. Gotcha. In and everything. Everything we do. There's not a, one other hop that no goes spalt, anywhere. No, any? no, no Spalt, no Tetnang. Nothing. Nope, no Zots. It's all Haller Tower. That's a very Haller Tower-ish thing to do. And the don't breweries, you, the breweries wow. that are in that area where I went to school, that's what we all did. Yeah. Do you do that here? Yeah. And you don't you don't feel uh, uh, you don't feel like you're limited because of that, or you you don't ever want to be like I, I really like this other hop. I mean, no, and and you know it, it's it's pretty amazing. I think when you stick uh, a lot of a lot of the brewers that buy Spalt and Tetnang, which are all within you know you're talking fifty miles of each other. Yeah, 
in in that area. And even Zotz is only only about 250 miles away, maybe max 250 miles away. Yeah, they're all very close. Okay, and and a lot of them will do it primarily for mathematical statistical reasons to have a homogeneous flavor. So if there is a down year in in the holler towel, yeah, and it, it fluctuates a lot. You can range from uh, a, a good year, normal year is about three and a half percent alpha acid concentration. Yeah, and it, and then the uh, the uh, aromatic components are usually proportionate to the alpha acid concentration. Depends a lot on the weather. Okay, and you can range anywhere from one and a half percent to all the way down to one and a half percent up to four percent. That's when it really gets screwy. Okay, and and then then people. So if you average it out, if if you you're dealing with Spalt and Tetanang and some of the other areas, yeah, then then you're going to get a more consistent. Um, Flavor profile and aroma profile. Okay. So that's the only risk that we're dealing with is on a year-to-year consistency basis. Okay. That we can't counterbalance by using, you know, we could counterbalance by adding in some other hops. But like I said, this is this is one of more of the, the traditional elements of, of why we do it as opposed to the logical yeah. reasons. Sure. Uh, take yourself out of the company for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were to brew a beer tomorrow um, just for the fun of it, would you would you still only use Haller Tower hops? Uh, yeah, I probably would. It's just uh, my flavor pro- taste buds. You know, that's another thing. You get accustomed and and and, and programmed into a certain flavor flavor profile. Okay. And and you 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 need that. It's like your fix. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm used to this 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 type of pungent hop okay. flavor profile, the aroma aroma of it. And uh, you know, I I probably wouldn't I wouldn't mind buying some Tetang. Yeah, know, yeah. If, for the fun of it. Sure. Just just to try it out, you know. So and that's what I mean. Just I, I wouldn't wanna... mind. I wouldn't mind you know, from an experimental basis, just doing yeah. you know a pilsner made with tetaning, one hundred percent tetaning, right? One hundred percent spalt, one hundred percent hollertau, one hundred percent zots, just to see. Yeah. Zots hops tend to trend to not be handled very well. Okay, that's the only downside about zots. People, and and what's the take, difference? It, it, it's the way. Well, the German hops are processed. Germans are, are techno freaks. Yeah, and. Freaks, they, you hear that, Daniela? That's good. Ah, yeah. That's what I am. <laughs> very, very precise uh, and 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 regimented. Yeah. And yeah. they take great pride in it. Okay. Mm-hmm. In everything they do, and uh, when they're harvesting hops, they get they get plucked, processed, uh, and and pelletized in in a rapid sense. No okay. t- no time for oxidation to occur. Okay. And cheesy hops are the worst. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's nothing worse than that. But the checks are a little more lax in there. They're not as dialed in on it. Um, they don't use that much of their own hop harvest to tell you. Sure. Okay. They make more of it by exporting it. And, but uh, Germans use it also. Other German breweries use sauce. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Anheuser-Busch yeah. buys that sauce. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Coors yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, question from a listener. What's the difference between German and American Hallertau? Uh, German American Hallertau has a higher bitterness content. Okay. Uh, the alpha acid is generally higher. Uh, the aroma uh, breakdown is different because it's a completely different agricultural region. Okay. And that's primarily the the the, the issue. And you know what? The the big brewers, I mean, like us, it's uh, you know there's much more Hollertau, German Hollertau available hmm. of of a higher quality than okay. there is American Hollertau. What's the Hollertau we get from uh, B3, John? Do you know? I don't know. You're not sure. Yeah. I don't know. Find that out. That's a good question because yeah. it, I actually would have thought that if it's called Hallertau, it has to come from the region of. That's what no. I thought too. I, re- I asked no. the listener, no. "What is there a difference? What is it?" No, it's it's a strain. It's, it's a, a strain. It's a, okay, it's, it's like saying uh, 
um, a, a freestone peach. So when we buy saws, it could be grown in the Pacific no, Northwest? No, no, I don't think there are any saw tops that are grown. And, okay. and they always say American Hollertow or... or oh, okay. It'll, it, it'll say. It'll say Hollertow Middle Fruit, which means it's... Oh, yeah. Or Hollertow Hollertow. Okay. Or if it's a German Hers- Or Herzberger. Herzberger. Yep. Okay. Either one of those three are, are the, the Bavarian ones, and then it'll say American Hollertower on, on it if it's from the States. Okay. I don't think there's a huge price diff. Oh, right. You get a different yield on the bitterness is the only, only well, thing. With, with most and home brewers, like, it's more availability issues. Yeah, and you know what the, the thing about for home brewing and the home brew shops is, is the way the hops are handled and how fresh they are. Yeah. Once they're opened up, once that bag's opened up, uh, it can degrade pretty quickly. Right. And, you- and they've got to be kept cold. Do you Hops. use pellet or whole pellets? All pellets. That was my question. All, yeah. all of all of those great European breweries are using pellets. They are. Really? Yeah. And and is that a they is that, a, is that a recent trend or not? Uh, and recent, I guess I would mean by like last hundred years or not. Uh, no, it's not. It's not a hundred years. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think uh, modern pellet production and extra, you know the extraction that goes along with it. Uh, it's, it probably started in the 60s or 70s. I'm okay. not even sure. Yeah. You know, that's a good email question for uh, yeah. for someone at one of those. You know what I think it is, is that it's a, it's a great example of the traditional beer country embracing something new that made their beer better. Yes. Because as much as they want to stick to the origins of beer, the purity of beer and, and where it's made, they're also willing to, to certainly for accept flavor. new things sure. that make that – the original beer better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, burlap. Well, it's all about freshness. And if you had your hometown brewery, man, you got those hops right there. It's fresh. Yeah. And then, I mean, the pellets are just another way of keeping them. Well, the hops are harvested once a year. That's mm-hmm. that's the issue. No matter what, yeah. it's once yeah. a year. And the handling of that, and you can uh, graph the drop in bitterness over time. We mm-hmm. have to do that. We have to adjust our uh, our hop doses every. Every month, okay, based on the aging factors, and that's with us keeping our hops at 38 degrees. Gotcha. So think about big bales of hops with burlap uh, that's allowing the free exchange of oxygen going back and forth. Yeah, and oxidation occurring and the bitterness changing. It, it, it's it'd be monstrous trying to manage that. AB and Coors still use whole hops. Oh, Can, consider that they're very very traditional brewers. Okay. Yeah, but it's not just freshness either, is it? Isn't it utilization as well? Well, there's, in your system, yeah, but it, it changes over. You know, the, the, yeah. the decaying of the hop bitterness is is proportion to the utilization. Do you yeah, adjust your recipe based on that? Uh, every week, every week, really, every week. What we, do you we adjust? Uh, the actual amount of hops, or do your your malt, your malt profile? No, um, that, well, we 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 change our mashing uh, process based on every uh, delivery of malt. So temperature then? Yeah, on on that part, on, just on, on on mashing. We we dial it in based on free amino acid concentration, which. Home brewers aren't going to do. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, you can't do that. You don't right. have a photospectrometer um, in, in your home. Most people don't. So if you have a, if you have a high bittering hollow tower hop, would you raise your mash temp? No, the the hops and the mashing have nothing to do with each other. But I'm just saying, if you have an over bittering hollow tower hop, how are you going to compensate that? No, no, that? It's, it, we're going to we're going to change the hop dosing. So you, yeah. Oh, you actually do that. So it's, 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 okay. we start off the beginning of the year. So for instance, we're going to get our hops delivered uh, in January for this October harvest. We'll get them in the brewery in January. It'll start off um, with a calculated value of you know three point seven percent alpha acid, okay. and then we're going to check it every every time we brew. We do a wort analysis, checking for our, our bitterness, and it's going to decay over time. And we're going to check change that utilization number that that you're referring to to increase the amount of hops we add. So it gets more expensive as the time goes on right. to uh, to brew beer. Hmm. But that's says, all about consistency. Yeah, yep. I mean. 
Cool. And the German thing. We're That's keeping awesome. it right on. Yeah. <laughs> a listener is disputing that there are American saws. Uh, it could be. I mean, I, I've never seen them sold. Yeah. If, if they email me, I'll find out for them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he's saying that he bought packs of saws saying American saws. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'll go with it. I, I wasn't aware of it, but yeah. I'll, I'll call, I'll call I've got Hop a label Union. maker. I can make it. Yeah, call Hop Union. Yeah, They'll know. Yeah. They'll know, right? I, mean, I, I, I could be wrong on that one. It's just on the list of of Hop supplies from like Hop Union, Yakima Chief, I, I haven't seen American, American saws listed. Yeah. But, See, there's you know, your stump the brewer quest. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. We'll uh, send, send that gentleman a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Canadian beer, Dan? Uh, boy, you know. Ho- I hope the, ca- the uh, Canadians didn't just set themselves up for him. <laughs> Molson Ice. You know, there's no, there's some guys that in uh, Toronto. Uh huh. Well, actually, Gordon Birch is my favorite Canadian beer. There's a couple of GBs up in uh, is there? Toronto area. Yeah, we, they, were, they were licensed. Uh, yeah, one Oakville is one, and then I think the other one shut down. It was a licensing deal for some company. Oh, okay. up there. There's a guy up in Toronto that uh, had had a brewery restaurant that uh, was doing uh, a Meritson that was pretty damn good. Okay. And then those French guys, uh, I met them. They were nice guys. I never tasted their beer, but they seemed like really nice guys. So their beer was probably nice. Those, yeah, it had to be good. <laughs> those French guys. You know, they, they're yeah. Quebec Noirs. <laughs> what was the, what's the brewery up there? Come on. I can't, I don't know. I, you know, and I'm I'm familiar with the Toronto beers too, and I can't remember them. In what city? Yeah. In Montreal or where? Yeah, they gotta be. Let me ask the chat. Maybe they know. Uh huh. No yeah, someone in the chat room. All right. While we're doing that, I'll ask another, uh, um, just kind of a vague question. And Daniela, you can answer this as well. So listen up. Uh, where's the best places for brew vacations in Germany, Belgium, Austria? Any tips? You don't have to be an expert of all three of those, but brew vacations for our listeners. Where would you? Where would you go? First stop would be Bamberg. Mm. Okay. That's got to be my, my, my first. There's a couple, uh, well, all the breweries in Bamberg serve beer out of wooden kegs. The uh, beer is delivered daily from the brewery. Oh, you got to like that's, that. You gotta, that's, that's that is spirit. incredible right So you, there. you go to even, uh, if you want to try Ralph beer, you can get every style in Bomberg too. So yeah. they, they have Ralph beer, which is not my favorite de- thing, but everyone that loves going to Bomberg loves going to this place called the Eschenkele. Yeah. Which is uh, a good place to eat dinner too. They have have great food, and then they're you know they're popping the wooden kegs, and, and it starts off with a big keg in the m- early evening, and then it goes smaller and smaller until they'll have a ten liter keg, and they ask you to wave your hand if you want to uh, <laughs> to um, to have for, if there's enough demand if you promise to kill the kegs. So oh right, and that that's a good one. There's about that's four, great. There's a bunch of bars there that uh, that are like that. One of them's right next to uh, to one of the breweries there that that's just spectacular. Had a really good time there, and uh, that's where our malt comes from. Uh, there's spe- a lot of our specialty malt. Okay. So I I, I do a, a little uh, little commercial visit, so to speak. Yeah, you know? of course. You know, so, yeah. goes on the business so, expense so, so, supplier uh, visit. Yeah, whatever. chart. And, and that's, a, that's a really good town for uh, for beer drinking. Okay. I'd say that's fantastic. You know, the the beer gardens in and around the Munich area are, are a lot of fun in the summertime. Sure. You don't want to miss that out. I I really don't recommend going to Oktoberfest. I think you'll have what? a lot. I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's, it's a major, major drinking. If you're going to go to Munich for it's a, a major drinking fest. Hello. Is, but you know what's <laughs> what's more fun, and I think will be a little more authentic for a lot because corporations have reserved out all the tables now. It's a little. It's very difficult for a tourist to get okay. a seat. But I would go to the Stark Beer Fest. Which one is that? It's uh, at the Salvatore. Uh, 
Uh. Yeah, this place though burned down a few years ago. Really? Yeah, it did. The hall where they did yeah, the beer fest. Yeah, it did. Yeah, And they bad. had it in a tent <laughs> for a few there. years. <laughs> now they're rebuilding there. the whole beer garden uh. and the whole um, beer wow. hall. Everything. Oh, that's a bummer. It's <laughs> a good <laughs> festival though. It's, it takes place in March, yeah. I believe, right? Yeah, February, March. It's February, March. Malkerberg, right? right. And it burned down entirely. I think the people were just too drunk and they burned the place down. Well, I guess that's bad advice. Yeah, that I was going to say that now has my vote for officially the funniest moment of the show. Here's where I say go. That burnt down. I think Bomberg's going to have to be my my suggestion. Have you been to Belgium? And do you have any ideas about that? Because I'm in touch with that listener, but I don't know about brew tips in Belgium. Actually, you're going to be able to go. There's no can't go wrong. I don't think. Yeah, you're going to go around and you just. Ask for what the local stuff is and let them do it. There you go. Yeah, you're gonna. The the greatest thing about Belgium is that all the restaurants and bars are these small, small neighborhood places that you're gonna have a fantastic meal, and some pretty knowledgeable uh, people working at them. The restaurants telling you, steering you towards the local uh, favorite. You gotta like that it, yeah. when you go to a place where it's such a tradition and and such a. a you know, part of their culture that, that the people you're ordering it from know how to tell you about what you're ordering. That's yep. great. I want to live That's there. That's great. Craft brew in America definitely lacks that sort of a, of a culture in that, um, you know, you go to a brew pub, and I work at one myself, um, and most of the servers could care less about what they're serving you. And and when you when it, when a customer comes in who's Doc and I talk about this a lot. When a customer comes in uh, who's knowledgeable about beer and wants to know about where that's coming from and and what style it is and and what's the what's behind it, and the server says, I don't know, we sell a lot of it. Or it's, it's, it's beer. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not good. Yeah, <laughs> that's a responsibility. And and you know I just can speak re- regarding the Gordon Beers crew. Is they, they all have to uh, take a tour um, and test on the brewing process and and be able to explain the beer, beers in detail. Hmm. You know that that's that's part of the gig. Um, that's that's what we're supposed to be doing. And you know as as the the quote the brewery restaurant chains get bigger, I, I think I'm worried about what you're talking about. Yeah. You know? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, so does the place that I I'm just going to be honest with you uh, because I, I I work with these people. The place that I work uh, does the same thing. You have to pass a test. You're supposed to go on a brew tour. They give you uh, ample opportunity to learn the process, and, and this is the history of the company. These kids could care less. Now, I, I, get, I always get the, well, you want to taste it? <laughs> yeah. I ask them questions. They, you want to taste it? Yeah. yeah. That's the easy and, way out for them. And they're going to pass their test enough to pass the test, Dan, right? Because you know how easy it is to pass a test and then forget it tomorrow. And this isn't to say that, that, that you can't, you know, get good knowledge at, at Gordon Biersch. I'm just saying these kids, it, 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 it just bums me out sometimes that, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a part-time gig sometimes and they're not going to know everything about the beer. And it's just, it's an American culture thing more than it is a, a, a you know, brew pub thing, I guess. And that, uh, it's not so much a part of everybody's history. Mm-hmm. Whereas but in Belgium, it's everybody's history. Yeah. But positive That's reinforcement great. through electrical alligator clips on the jungle <laughs> cell yeah. really works towards, yeah. towards reinforcing <laughs> beer education. <laughs> yeah, yeah, stand, I standing in a yeah. puddle of beer. Yeah. True enough. True yeah. enough. <laughs> I would <laughs> recommend... Get on your bad side. Here, here's, a, here's a good, good his, historical question. There, there was a brew pub uh, in our area that, that had a fairly tyrannical lo- owner that will remain nameless. And, and he... Uh, 
He disconnected the drain uh, and put it towards a bucket, you know, at the at the beer towers, so yeah. the, the trains. And he collected the beer and he, you know, would scream, hold it up, and scream at the bartenders for overpouring and everything like that. Okay. And 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 got violent and threw a, a beer glass against the wall and said, you know, you guys are worthless type of thing. <laughs> and my philosophy would have been to take that that uh, trough of beer that he collected yeah. and instead of getting upset with the guys, I would have made the bartenders just drink it. Yes, yeah. exactly. See, see there, yeah. that's the positive reinforcement that I'm looking for. It's lacto. And that's yeah. a good idea. It's uh, what's known as the old. Uh, it's called a. It's called a bar shot. Or a Rambo. Yeah, or a Rambo. If at the end of the night at the bar you still have that drunk guy sitting yeah. at your bar, and and you know that rubber mat that they pour all the drinks on. Mummy. The mat you, shot. You yeah. take that mat and you pour it into a shot glass and you give it to that guy at the buy, bar. Buy a and, drink. And, a and when he asks wow. you for last call. You know, 20 minutes after you gave last call, that's what you give them. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's right on the kitchen confidential, huh? Yes. And, Dan, I agree with you. If you did that to the bartenders and the servers, uh, they'd learn real quick about how much to pour and what they're pouring and uh, all the different flavors when you mix it together, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. And it's easy for me to say this because uh, I'm the one good guy who knows all about that stuff. But You're that's the only one there, man. I'm a beer dork. <laughs> yeah, sure. And that's actually what they call me. Uh, I am known as the beer dork good. because mm-hmm. uh, not only do I serve their food, but I all I care about is their beer. And you're underpaid. <laughs> ah, that doesn't matter. So when they have questions, they say, uh, they, the glaze looks they say, ask me. Say, yeah. Let me get Justin. We did our brew tour not too long ago where all of the potential bartenders had to go on the tour and do an official tour. And I'm the new guy. I'm not even a bartender there yet. And uh, I basically gave the tour for them. <laughs> and, and all the, the people who had been there longer than me are like, how do you know all this stuff? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a beer dork. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically the way it works. Um, okay. How about this? Uh, a little, cor- uh, not a correction, but an answer to the question. The uh, Canada Montreal Brewery. What I have here is an um, uni uni. That's the guys. Yeah, uni brew. The uni brew. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Or, or or the other one was Molson Ick. But, but uni brew. That's who you're talking about. Yeah. In Montreal. Okay. So that's the Canadian French one. guys. Uh, they were really nice, and I had fun spending a time, good time with them here in San Francisco. Very nice. Uh, someone wants to know if you've ever had the chance to try the fine German beers of Wisconsin, such as um, actually, maybe we I were talking about Dan Curry earlier. Is that new? Is it there, New Glarus? New Glarus, yeah. And then also Capital Brewing is another one. You know, I haven't had Capital. Okay, but you know the guys at New Glarus. New Glarus, Dan Curry, great guy. Okay, good very stuff. Nice. Everything he does, he's very passionate. Yeah, and you like their beers. You know, I ha- I loved it. I, he he brewed a, uh, a, a se- for the brewing convention, Craft Brewers Association. He did the uh, beer up there when okay. we had a meeting up in Wisconsin, and he did a double block. It was great. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do you feel uh, back to hops? How do you feel about vacuum packing hops? Do you but, think it preserves them? Yeah, that's that's part of the deal about the pellets. Yeah. Okay. And, and it, they're they're actually vacuum packed and nitrogen purged. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a double whammy, and then they're kept cold. Gotcha. And sometimes they'll they'll suck them out so the you actually see the form of the pellets and and those are those are great. Okay. All right, that's the way to do it. And John's always said that too. And you gotta have them vacuum packed. B three does cold that. We, yeah. we flush with nitrogen. So okay. Yeah, not vacuum packed, but they're flushed. All right, listen, we got so much to get to. It's just not going to happen. I'm going to try to get through some of these things quick and then uh, just hope that you want to come back, Dan, because we could be here all night. Yeah, we could. I'll accelerate my answers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about your yeast yeah, because you mentioned earlier, I, I think this is a really important topic. Uh, John's got a bunch of questions for you. Um, what I've got here is that your yeast is an original German strain from the Weinstefan 
Bank. Vine yeah. Vine Stefan. Is it shipped to you? Uh, we get a little test tube of it, and, and we, uh, we we grow it off the test tube, off the slant, so to speak. Okay. And uh, we go into an Erlmeyer flask. It's a 250-milliliter flask with wort, and we're growing it off of our own wort. So it's going to be adapted to the balanced diet that it's going to experience later in life. Okay. And we take it from there up to uh, to a liter, and okay. we go from a liter to a Carlsberg flask, which is a big stainless um container that uh, has pressure fittings on it, and they're, they're extremely expensive. So this isn't something that a, a home brewer is going to be able to, to do. Okay. And then we take that to a 10-hectoliter uh, uh, propagator or, or reactor, and the whole thing that's going on at this point in time is we're keeping it aerobic. Okay. And, and we use inject it with sterile air. We have a very uh, specific pattern of rotating, um, injecting air, and um, pumping it around, circulating it. How long has this process taken up to this point? Are you feeding a work too? We're, we're doing a parallel processing. Yeah, we're, we're feeding each step. We're filling it up with more work. Okay. So it's not a continuous uh, uh, feeding program where we're, we're just injecting work uh, all the time. Is there a gravity is, that you're going for? Uh, we we just don't want it to go in, uh, anaerobic at any point in time. Right. And okay. it's got to have enough sugar. And we're trying to increase the biomass. So, so do you start low? We, we count cells. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Counting cards. So the, you're growing. Okay. Yeah. Not fermenting. Yep, we're growing. Counting cells. <laughs> so, so from the cells. time you take it from the vial yeah. to the time you're ready to pitch it. Each step of increase is happening at roughly 100 million cells per milliliter. Okay. So w- once we hit, we'll go from like 1 million to 100 million. Mm-hmm. Or a half, I should say we go from a half million uh, and it grows up to 100 million. Then we're going to kick it up to another volume. Okay. And each step. And we use a hemostatometer and a microscope to be able to mo- monitor this. And is this for each brew or are you repitching? We are constantly doing this in parallel. So what we'll have is we'll, we'll get up to the point where we go from the, the 10 hectoliters or, uh, of, of wort at 100 million cells. Then we go into our operating vessel, which has got 60 barrels of beer in it. Okay. 60 barrels of wort of yeast slurry. That's your standard across all of your brew houses? Yeah. That, that's okay. your starter. This, well, we, we ship uh, at all the brewery restaurants. We ship the yeast from the, our, our big brewery. Okay. Yeah, we have kegs that we fill so up. You have a 60-barrel starter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. So we'll, okay. we'll take usually anywhere from you know twenty to thirty barrels out uh, on the high side uh, for pitching into uh, the first brew of the week, uh, and then we'll feed it and we'll it'll increase back up to that hundred million cells per milliliter uh, in about an eight hour time frame. And we'll pitch from that again. So it's a constant. It's the sourdough starter principle, if you think of it that way. You take away half and add, mm-hmm. feed it again. Okay. Right. And we'll run that for three to four weeks, and then we'll start it over. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, and we always have all these stages of uh, of, of yeast propagation uh, at every stage in triple redundancy. Okay, so well, we will never have a problem. What temperature do you propagate? We we propagate at the same temperature we're gonna we're gonna ferment at. So it's it's being held okay. at nine degrees Celsius, and that, that's one of the things we experimented with a lot. There was a lot of papers that were written um, in the early nineties about how you could propagate your yeast at a much higher temperature mm-hmm. and not experience any kind of morphological changes, meaning the cell structure, the shape of the cell and its fermentability and all that. They were wrong. We were getting cells that were that were doing quadruple reproduction. Wow. Where you'd have, have four nucleolus nucleoli. Yeah. In inside this one long elongated cell wall. Yeah. And it was Going too quickly, it was it was changing, it was uh, mutating, yeah, and we didn't want that to happen. That was occurring at about twenty degrees Celsius, roughly sixty eight degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, so we we ch- brought the temperatures down, and we found consistency. We were able to keep up still, and we had much better performance in fermentation. What and that's at nine degrees Celsius. Nine degrees Celsius. What, what's that? Forty eight degrees. Forty eight degrees. So that, yeah. Wow, so you, it just seems I, like basically. High. Yeah. Then my sorry. next question was you, and I kind of answered it was that you pitch cold. 
Yeah. That goes into the gym. We actually pitch, um, the uh, wort temperature at pitching is uh, 7 degrees Celsius. 7. Yeah. Okay. And then the wort, it increases in temperature over about 24 hours. Okay. And then we ferment it at the 9 degrees. That was a pre-question I had, and mm-hmm. I knew you were going to like this, John. It was a listener sent in. We've had discussions in here about whether or not that you you should pitch at fermentation temperature or if it's okay to pitch warm and then drop it down. No, you always pitch low and you let it warm low. up. Why is that? Uh, well, what does that do for your beer? It's, it's yeast shock first and foremost. Okay. It, it, you know, warm isn't good. Warm Anything warmer is going to create a different, uh, you know, you're going to start off sweating. It's like you want to warm up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeast are just like human beings. They don't want to. They don't want to start off in a sprint. Okay, that's fair. Well, this question uh, from a home brewer, brewer perspective, same question, but he says uh, for most home brewers, it's difficult to chill the wort down to lager temps with wort chillers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the consensus seems to be that you should pitch the yeast at lager fermentation temperature or below. Which in your case, it, you're saying you go even lower to seven yeah. degrees. Um, so in your experience or training, do you find this to be true? And also, what negative effects, if any, does pitching warmer and then placing the fermenter in the fridge right away give to the finished beer? Well, you know, lager yeast has, has a specific temperature that it likes to function at. And, and the maximum I would recommend to get the, the right flavor profile is, is 10 degrees Celsius. Okay. So it's like 50 degrees. Anything above that, you're risking it. Okay. All right. You're gonna, it's going to produce more esters. You're going to have different flavors coming through that you don't really want to have. Yeah. So starting low, and, and for the, the guy that can't chill it down, maybe, you know, in the, in the first pass through a, through a tube, you know, ice, ice bank type, type of uh, cooler, coiled cooler, I would uh, just throw it in the fridge for a few hours, get it down to temperature. Yeah. And then, um, then add the yeast at that point. I so know, risking I know contamination of that wort sitting out for yeah. a while, would you say it's worth it to do that? Uh, you know what? Yeah. It's hard to say. Huh? I, oh, I you'd think, say yeah? I think for homebrew, I would risk it. Yeah. I'd try it out at least, you know, and see how sure. clean you are. Hopefully uh, hopefully you're operating clean enough that uh, that you can afford to. And then after that point, I would uh, when you add it, I would if it's a vessel small enough that and you're strong enough, I would aggressively shake it to get the, aer- the aeration going again. Okay. Gotcha. That's it. Johnny. There you go. I know. I'm just... Uh, we have a... Aeration is key, by the way. Eight. Go ahead. Yeah. You got to get the air in there. Yeah. Most incomplete fermentations can be attributed to the lack of uh, yeast growth in the first 24 hours. Okay. What do you prefer, um, Puro 2 or sterile filtered air? You know, uh, at home brewing, I think, you know, Puro 2 is okay. You're not going to typically over-oxygenate it. It'd be nice to know how much you're going to do because oxygen at, at too high a level is going to be toxic. And, oh, okay. You know, I think I think it's... Uh, Something like 8 grams per liter is ideal. You get up to 12 to 15. I, I can't remember. I think it was 15 that starts working against the yeast. See, that's hard for home brewers. And I've had this you since I've o- started. They start produce water, I think, don't they? Or uh, I don't know. But I know you cannot over-oxygenate beer if you use uh, sterile air. Right. Oh. You can't do it. Okay, well, and, that's and good if, to know. if you then. have a vessel that's two-thirds full with a wort, mm-hmm. yeah. and you have enough headspace in that, in that vessel, by aggressively shaking that sucker... Yeah. I mean, for like 15 minutes, you're going to get enough oxygen in there. See, you, I'm going to tell you right now, are the first brewer who's ever come in here to say that. Because everyone else has told me, you're an idiot for shaking it, and no. you got to put the CO2 on there. No, yeah, the amount of O2. O2. The amount no, O2, rather. Sorry. Yeah, but I think it's the amount of oxygen that goes in the solution is different 
with the half micron stone versus shaking. But he's saying that if there is a is a substantial amount at the top of your carboy, which mm-hmm. there is on on a on a seven and a half gallon carboy, mm-hmm. and you shake it up, that's plenty. Whereas specifically, everybody who's coming in, come in here has said shaking it is not enough oxygen. Well, with like more beers natural aeration, the, the two micron stone, yeah. I recommend customers to do forty five minutes to an hour. Don't even touch it. Put foil over the top and just let it go constantly. Just let it bubble. It's all a matter of time. Mm-hmm. You're going to get enough oxygen in there with a shorter amount of time with pure oxygen and a stone. Or you can shake it for 15 minutes. And it's all amount, uh, the amount you have in there. If you shake it for 15 minutes, this is something I used to do. This is a retarded question, but it's what I used to do anyway. So you, I've, got my, I've got my stopper on top of the carboy, right, because you got to do that. And I'm shaking it up. And what I used to do is pop the stopper every couple of minutes. To, I don't know. To, I thought maybe I was putting new oxygen in there. And bacteria. And then put it back. And, and that, too, however, I was afraid that the, that the amount of space didn't carry enough oxygen for me to be putting it into solution. So I'd pop the stopper like I was putting new oxygen in and bacteria. But do I not need to do that? Should I just be shaken for 15 minutes yeah, and shake. let it be? Just shake. And it's probably fine? Mm-hmm. Because I've now gone over to the to the, to the O2 and, and pumping that in there mm-hmm. and have, have sang the praises of that because my fermentation's gone wild since I started doing it. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to overdo it either because the fact that it becomes toxic is really an important statement. You know, Can, If you over O2, was it acetaldehyde? Can you produce that? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff that starts occurring with, uh, but most of the problem is is with the uh, the yeast starting to die. Mm. It, it's I mean, t- it's tough to overdo yeast. it, homebrew wise. Uh, you know that's that's why I don't have my a lot of expertise is is, is the actualities. To put I'm, it, I'm to set, I've, I've got all my toys to measure oxygen content. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm so accustomed to knowing everything I'm doing. Yeah. And and I just know that we did this in Germany when I was doing doing some pilot brewing for the heck of it uh, in this one class because we tried to emulate some home brewing techniques. Yeah. And all I know is that by shaking it, by having it two-thirds full and a third of the headroom, and by shaking it, we got enough oxygen in there. We didn't right. measure it at the time, hmm. and I, I just know it'll work. Yeah. And I I'm, I know a lot of craft brewers that, that use oxygen, and, and they're successful at it. Yeah. And I, I just know that it is possible to over-oxygenate um, by using pure O2. Well, but, look at Michael oxygen. Jackson. That guy sleeps in that oxygen bubble, and he's screwed up. Yeah, he is. You see what I'm Too saying? Too much oxygen. Too much O2. Uh, yep. Yeah, you can't have that much. That guy is messed up. Yeah, his bones are going away, man. Look at his face. Yeah. Same thing's happening to your beer. Yeah. Put too well, much O2 in there. I think I've I've lost a batch before, I think, from over-oxygenation. Yeah? It was a 50-gallon 50 50 batch that I brewed, and I oxygenated the whole 50 gallons when I transferred, and it got... Well, there's always contamination in beer, and I think... Over auctioning, they kind of might have spawned a foreign wild yeast to start growing, and it turned out to be watery, flat, and that contaminants. So I reduced my auction later on my next batch by half, and yeah. I haven't had that problem yet. But if you get an over auctionated wort, it does taste watery to you. It's kind of thin, flat, and it's just not much body. There's no malt. It doesn't ferment out dry all the way. Yeah. It's, it's very watery and thin. Okay. This, this is my experience with over O2. All right, I got more questions. Let me put this out here real quick. We're going to do Stump the Brewer. I've already got one Stump the Brewer that was sent in to me early, and I will ask that question. And we need one more because we said we give a, we give away three prizes. So I've got one Stump the Brewer already. I need another Stump the Brewer. You can do it via phone or chat room. I prefer you call in, 888-401-BEER. Uh, oh, I got a caller on the phone, don't I? Hey, caller. Sorry to leave you sitting. You're on the air. Hello. You there? 
Guess not. He's there. He's, he's the, listening he's to us in the back. Beer. I left him waiting he too long. He gave up on you. <laughs> as soon as the delay catches up to him, he'll realize he's on there. Yeah. What's that, Daniela? That's so Devo. That's his name from Brooklyn. Oh, okay. So Devo. <laughs> I can hear us in the background. Oh, yeah. Turn the radio down when you hear us and start talking. We'll be here. Um, here's a question. I've heard propagating temperature doesn't matter. Do you disagree? Disagree. Yeah? Yep. You got to control Hello? that temp. Oh, there he is. Hang on, Sedevo. G- give us one second. We got you on the air. Hang on. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Turn, turn down your radio. Hi. Okay. Yeah. I, got I just a wanted to say about that. What like, my microscope okay. can do can do as a home brewer. Okay. Go ahead. What am I looking for? Uh, if I have a thousand time microscope, and I'm looking at my e cells like for repitching. I'm just looking at the cell walls. But what else should I be looking for as a home brewer? Well, I would get some methylene blue dye and stain the cells and just check to see what percentage of those cells are living versus dead. And when you're pitching, that way you can utilize that to to figure out how much yeast you should actually add. How does the ink tell you what's living and what's dead? uh, Okay. The the living cells will... uh, this is funny. they don't turn blue. Yeah, they don't. Okay, they absorb. Gotcha. I'm, you know what? I got them mixed up too, and I can't remember exactly because we don't which do it. Which. Okay, we haven't done the methylene blue staining. I'd have to to look it up. I think the dead ones absorb. That's then, what I thought yeah, too, and, and the living ones won't. So you uh, you figure out what percentage you're using there, and uh, I would get a little hemocytometer if, uh, just for the heck of it. Okay, and you could uh, do some dilution factors and kind of count how many cells you get in a specific dilution. And there's a little grid, and there's a formula you can you can uh, we can email you the sheet if you want, and uh, just e- email the D Gordon at gordonbeers.com, and we can give you the the spreadsheet to uh, to calculate out, and then you can pitch your your yeast by the uh, actual concentration. So depending on the beer type you're making and the living cells, we want to get uh, you know about 12 million cells per milliliter when you're pitching lager yeast, and that's okay. th- those are the living concentration. And then for ale, depending on how vibrant and, and vital the uh, the yeast cells are, I mean, we we do our hefeweizen with three million cells per milliliter because it just just the yeast takes off really fast. But you, you know, you'd have to play around probably six to eight million cells on on a on an ale yeast. Hmm. Would uh, would try it, and then you you know you'll you'll get your own guidelines of what works. But it's kind of fun to be scientific about it. Sure. The other yeah, thing absolutely. is the other thing you can do is you know just take your finished beer. And, uh, and, and grab some of the sediment, uh, you know, after it's been bottled and scra- scrape the bottom, put it under the scope and just see if you got any, uh, any rods. You know, just, oh, it makes sense, makes sense. Yeah, have fun with it, you know. Ah, oh, thank you so pretend, much. Pretend you're at a big brewery. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I like to do. <laughs> Except I do it when I'm drinking. <laughs> Not when I'm brewing. Alright, cool. cool. Thanks, Adevo. Sorry to keep yeah. you waiting. I'm dying for these stump the brewer ones. Yeah. All right, I'll give it to you right now. I just, just I I think I'm gonna get stumped, and I'm really worried. Actually, while I'm gonna, well, they keep going until you get stumped. Yeah, that's what's gonna happen. While I look through that, just we were about to start uh, propagating temp. You say it does matter. It does. Do that real quick. Very, very important. Okay. The closer you can get to your optimal fermentation temperature, the more consistent yeast is gonna perform. It 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 definitely mutates, and we did this, and we substantiated it in our in our own labs. Uh, looking at the yeast and how they how they fermented and and I told you about the the quadruple yeah. you know nucleoli that were that were inside the yeast cell so that was at high temperatures you get lager yeast in particular very subjective um, subject to mutation and uh, and that happens at higher temps okay and uh, there's different papers that kind of refute it 
but they were all done in a lab basis, not in a, any kind of practical large scale uh, propagation systems like we have. Okay. And what happens is in order to uh, to do high temperature, you have to increase the airflow into that because everything's at, at fast forward, you know? Yeah. And you cannot get enough air into there. It's very difficult when you're doing large scale uh, propagation to get enough sufficient air at a higher temperature and that's when the yeast is going to start to mutate more. And God, it was, it was ugly. Okay. <laughs> it was just ugly. Yeah, just ugly. <laughs> little Frankenstein of yeast. Works in small scale, not large. <laughs> okay. Um, does anyone want to get more beer, John? Can we get more beer? Would you mind? If you, sure, I'll go get it. Um, you got more questions too. I'm, I'm happy to take them. I'm just trying to move us along because you know Dan's busy man and yeah. been here for a while. So we could do a I, think we, I think we've drained yeah. his brain. That's why we got to get him back. Yeah. We got to do stump the brewer, and I want to drink his blonde bock on the air so that we can talk about it. Yeah, I will help you drink it. How about a Hefeweizen too? We need to get one. Oh, let's do. That's gotta, the one I haven't had. Let's go half. Uh, I bought these. You know, oh yeah, we need half class. Okay, okay. can we go half? Do stump. I'll do good. stump. You grab us some half and and tell us about half real quick because you guys don't even bottle this yet. No, coming up in uh, February. Okay, it's, it's a pride and joy beer too, like the, right. the double bock. It uh, it has a very specific yeast strain, uh, the W sixty eight from Vine Stefan, which gives it a uh, and by definition of Hefeweizen is you know yeast and wheat. Yeah. So we brew minimum fifty percent malted wheat, which most of the guys don't out there don't get. Don't okay. understand that you have to. So we're up to, you know, about seventy five percent malted wheat. Okay, uh, gives it a nice flavor profile, and then all that banana, bubblegum, clove like uh, flavor profile that that mm. the traditional Bavarian Hefeweizens produce. Yeah, is in this yeast strain. It's in it. Yeah. Okay, and that's what gives it the flavor. Okay, and that's a hard, that's a volatile thing for you to deal with because you want it in the yeast strain. But you don't now when you ferment it, you don't want too much of it, you don't want too little of it. Yep. That's a fight you got going on right there. Yep. That's okay. that's a lot of practice. All right, we'll, we'll tell the, you how you do it. What's your ferment temperature? We're, we're we're fermenting at twenty degrees Celsius. Start pitch it at eighteen, let it go to twenty. It's about a three day cycle for fermentation. Then we drop the yeast, we cool it down to uh, four degrees Celsius. Yeah. Real quick. Okay. And then uh, drop the, as much of the yeast out, and then we coarsen it with with lager yeast. Really? Lager yeast and wort. That's the traditional Bavarian way of doing it. Okay. And then we will let it age at that four degrees and then take it down to freezing, and it's for the next two weeks. Okay. Gotcha. Higher carbonation level. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you got a nice like, head you, on you gotta, you gotta swirl the bottom of the bottle to get the yeast out. Get the yeast out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those are pouring pretty clear, huh? Yeah, this one is really clear, but that one was looking better. Caller, you're on the air. Yeah, hey guys. Uh, first again, this is an awesome, awesome show. Justin, uh, congrats on that. Hey, cool. Thanks. Um, Two-part question. Uh, number one, uh, where did the term out originate? And Wait, is, approximately it, is this Stump the Brewer? This is Stump the Brewer. Okay, go ahead. Is this all? Okay, yeah. Two-part two Stump the Brewer question. Uh, where okay. did stout originate, the term? And where, when approximately was the earliest recorded use of the word? Stout, stout, stout or out? Stout, yeah, I think he's... Stout. You, you said stout, oh, man. right? You know, I, I don't know that one. You stumped me. Try yeah. alt. No Ask st- him alt. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was, was a stump the brewer. I'm not. Yeah. You know, this is one of the things I'm not. I'm not super versed on on a lot of the history and. and you don't do styles. any ales. No. Not one just, just single ale. Top fermented, but it's uh, Bavarian. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm myopic. Well then, looking forward to the t-shirt. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, the, the man is stumped. All right, you know the deal. Uh, send me an email. Uh, name the show and I'll the question and all that, and I'll he, get you shirt. You got it. Thanks a lot, Justin. Hey, Great thanks. Job. You're welcome. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right, there you go. That's your first stump. Okay, so that's that. That ends that one. That was an uneventful. Uh, that <laughs> you don't do else. I, I, I think it's just because of. I, right. I mean, I could guess. 
I, I just don't know the history. I got it, you know, and all that Michael Jackson book reading too. Yeah, that's right. That's and, right. And you got me on the first question. Well, okay, I, that's right. This one, I'll, I'll this bet one, after, after tomorrow morning's coffee, you'll find out where the stout came from. <laughs> this one you've got a better chance at. This one was well thought out by a listener, sent it into me, uh, uh long before the show ever Uh-oh. started, um, and, and, and did their research for you. So, but, but they gave you a chance. Um, and it's, he says, here's a stumper. Um, and since you went to uh, Weinstefan, you should know at least some of this stuff, he says. And, and he will accept, I think it's three questions in one. He'll accept any, any one of the three. Ugh. Okay. In 1612, a Bavarian duke, a brewer from Einbeck, uh, sorry, a Bavarian duke convinced a brewer from Einbeck to come to Munich and teach the Munich brewers how to brew Einbecker lager, later be, later to be known as Bach. Once this brewer arrived in Munich, the Bavarian duke forbid him to leave the town. So valuable were his brewing skills. The resulting beer became an instant success and displaced the only two major styles being brewed in Munich at the time. Give the name of the brewer from Einbeck, <laughs> yeah, or the complete name of the duke, or the two beer styles that were displaced. Oh, I, I don't think I know any of them. This guy's good. <laughs> <laughs> they always are. You know, I, I didn't even know this story, so it, it, it's pretty – I know the Einbecker Brewery. I, it was one of the first breweries I toured, which, oh, okay. which is pretty neat. But uh, they didn't go into that story. And um, I don't know, the Duke – shoot, I don't know any Dukes. I know Prince Leopold from Bayern, and he's got a brewery in – in in the area, uh, okay. Back in the 1600s, they only had top fermenting beer. So yeah, that's what I was going to try. Maybe it, narrow it down I'm, to I'm, the two beer styles. They were the only two going on back in the si- early 1600s. You know, it was probably alt was probably one of them because because okay. alt just means top fermented beer. But yeah. that's a, a beer from Dusseldorf region, and they don't didn't really make it in Bavaria. But right, I uh, I don't really know the uh, the top fermenting beers that they made back then. Okay, uh, probably dark and light. I thought it was Dunkel's was one of those because that's what they were brewing then, and and they wanted something light, so it kind of bumped out the Dunkel's. Well, the, the Czechs were the first ones. The Bohemians were the first ones to brew beer golden and clear, and that that happened later. Um, okay. So I, I I'm stumped. I think you're stumped. Uh, well, according to what he has, anyway, here's what he has, uh, and and he didn't dispute this. The brewer that was brought over was Elias Pickler. Or Elias, oh, I don't know how you would pronounce that. In, in, Definitely got in, me on that one. Yeah, that's the brewer. The Duke was Maximilian the First. You had to know the Maximilians. He Max the First was a king. Yeah, he would have been a prince and then a king. So he got me on that. But maybe there's another Duke called Maximilian too. Okay, and the beer styles he says were Danielle. I need your help on that. Yeah, one. help out on the Isn't history. Max the she's first a, was she's a king. in history. He says it was the Duke, uh, Maximilian I, but I guess just by the name the first, that does I- indicate king, doesn't it? No, it doesn't necessarily, and there okay. is a Duke Maximilian in Bavaria too. He actually was the father of the future emperor of Austria, then of the queen, uh, no, what is it, the female emperor? Queen. Mm. Queen uh, Elizabeth then in Austria. Sissi. So there was one. Okay. Wow, she knows her kings and queens. That a girl. And the beer styles were, uh, and I, I'll pronounce them as best I can, brown beer, which was a brown beer, and Weizbeer, actually, Weizbeer, um, that were displaced by the uh, Einbeck beer at that time because it was instant success. Uh, so, oh, there you go. 
Yeah, he gets a couple shirts. <laughs> Some so put in a lot of time and effort in that. Yeah, he was good. Uh, he, you know. he sent it to two different email accounts that I have going, and he sent wow. it in early, and uh, he, he was he was very cool. Uh, I was this, hoping it was going to be like, what's the oldest brewery in the world and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, no, they uh, they don't bring it weak, uh, like they like to say <laughs> I do. Uh, they power it on. Yeah. Uh, the name I have here, Daniela, and I'm curious if this is the same as Crazy Jack, is Brew Jack. <laughs> is Brew Jack Crazy Jack? I don't know. Brujek is in there tonight. I can ask him. But you know who I mean. By crazy. Oh, no, no, no. That's not Crazy no, no. Jack? Crazy Jack is just plain Jack in the oh, chat okay. room. <laughs> <laughs> and I he's like, not I w- here. I kind of <laughs> wish it was Crazy Jack. Because uh, the, the question wasn't that crazy and I would have got him on the phone. <laughs> I was hoping it was Crazy Jack. You got to call it, by the way. Oh. I always forget <laughs> that. You got to remind me. Caller, you're on the air. How's it going? It's going well. <laughs> uh, who are we talking to? You're talking to Heath. Heath. Oh, Heath. What's hey, happening? Heath. How's it going? A little New York caller we got going for you here, Dan. We got a lot of New York things happening. Though. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you hammered already, Heath? When are you going to get a GB over here, brother? <laughs> That's the question I'm, of the day. I, I we looked for a while, man. That's expensive real estate in uh, in the Big Apple. Yeah, yeah, and and it's cold. You know, have you ever noticed that most of the Gordon Pierce Brewery restaurants <laughs> well, are located perfect lagering weather? It is. My favorite thing is that uh, is Jeff Larson up in Alaska, and I visited his brewery up there one time. And I said, you know, this is really neat. All you have to do is put like these little uh, slats in the wall that you can regulate with a motor, and that that's how you control cooling for the room. <laughs> yeah. you never have to have refrigeration. Save that's a lot right. of money there. But you could. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping to distribute our beer out there in, in the not so distant future, but uh, you know, it's it's tough making money in the Big Apple. I don't know how how the guys at uh, Heartland do it. You're upstate, aren't you, Heath? Um, yeah, I know. I've had your. I know there's one brewery down in Glenville where I um, usually pick up some of my specialty brews that I've had actually have that imported your beer. Wow. So, you know, if my son ends up going to Colgate, I'll, uh, I'll look into it. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Cause you're going to have to visit anyway. Yeah. He's going to need a supply and I'll have to, you know, build something there. How is your distribution? Uh, I know you, you got the places in 10 states and you're not, you don't go outside of the places you have alehouses or? Well, generally that's our strategy and we're okay. behind the eight ball. I mean, we haven't, haven't moved as quickly as the, the restaurant expansion's gone. Oh, okay. So we're, be, we're, we're way behind. We're going to start in Washington, uh, DC and Virginia this, uh, spring. And uh, we've been dying to get some distribution going to like Florida, but we haven't. It, there's very little, limited number of of distributors available of okay. the beer that'll handle it correctly. Okay, I gotcha. These gas prices are making it really interesting to ship the beer too. I bet. I Ooh, bet. Baby. They're uh, just tacking that right onto you, huh? Well, I mean, we pay for the and, shipping and you. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. Oh, that's what I mean. And in the end, I mean, huh? it's it's, it's whether down to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. yeah. That's you right. pay for you pay a lot for beer in New York, though. You don't get yeah, that's it. You why don't. I don't yeah. You don't have the the deals that we have out here. Yeah. Actually, that's the probably the one thing I like about Safeway out here is uh, you can always get two or three six packs on special. Get a good microbrew for like five ninety nine. Nice. You know, only occasionally. If if it's not on special, they, they, you know, you pay a good you pay eight bucks for a six pack here too, but. Uh, five ninety nine is my happy place. Stock up, it's <laughs> going to get worse January one. Is that right? Yeah, What's yeah. happening there? Everybody's going up because of the gas prices. The supermarkets don't let you change prices at the end of the year. Oh, okay. So it's all being uh, compounded for this this coming. Ah. coming. Everything affects everything. The big oh, whammy. Yeah. Well, especially the gas, man. That oh one. Uh, there's nothing yeah, that there's, doesn't affect because it's it's in every part of the supply yeah. chain. Yeah. On the raw material side, up through packaging, material production. 
which is a good 30% of what you're paying for. Right. And then you have markups, and the markups are compounded based on, on what the wholesale price is. Right, right. So it's a multiplier effect. Gotcha. How does a brewery like Gordon Beers keep – how many restaurants do you have? Hey, thanks for the call, Heath. Um, there's yeah. there's Talk 19. To you soon. 19. How do you, how do you keep them stocked with lager beers all the time? I mean, well, that seems like a very challenging – Every, every single brewery restaurant brews its own beer. Okay. That's how. Yeah. And you stock them with yeast all the time. Do they brew? Yeah, we just ship the yeast by, via um, air freight. We, okay. It's interesting. You can't ship beer kegs, mm. but you can ship kegs of yeast. And, mm. and don't hopefully the airlines don't figure out that the yeast is much more dangerous to ship than beer. Yeah, it's pretty volatile, isn't oh, it? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> we, we, we make sure that uh, we get last pickup and run it over to the air freight really quick and then and hope uh, <laughs> hope it doesn't explode on the plane. So if I was a terrorist, I screw the bomb. I'm, yeah, I'm they just got to put in some... Uh, well, what happens? Yeah. I think the we're not getting just, marked right now. Yeah, don't say the, the T word. Right. The, the, the fitting just would pop off, I think, and it gets messy. Oh yeah, I'm gonna mess everybody down. Yeah. Oh, that's a vice beer. Yeah. You shouldn't even call it Hefeweizen. You should call it vice beer. Well, you can that's do that. A, I mean, I haven't even tasted it yet, but the smell. I'm sitting in Bavaria right now, just off the smell of it. That's what we try to do. Bring a little bit of uh, Danielle's home right yeah. to the. To your garage. I've tried it already. Did you try it? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. And I'm you're totally sitting right. in a bar in Munich having a vice. You're beer. sitting in a beer garden, but you're yeah. right. Yeah. It's not a half. Uh, I mean, it's a half of That's not what I mean. But it's but a they don't call it half Weiz. Yeah, they call it vice beer. Yeah, we call and it vice. No. That is such an authentic Weiz. aroma and flavor on this. Uh, I guess I'm rambling without it's saying. It's the glass I'm man. I'm drinking uh, Gordon Biersch's uh, Hefeweizen, which is uh, soon to to be available in bottles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get it in their brew pubs right now in the restaurants. Yeah, um, but they're soon to be bottling it. And uh, I'm not a I'm not a Weiss beer fan, um, but I can tell that that's authentic and it tastes that's it, it, high quality Weiss beer right there. Well, yeah, it's it. Hefeweizen is really one of those beers you either love it or hate it. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's, a 50, 50, I, it's one of my favorites. I just sit and drink this and smile. <laughs> and it's, I, I really like this. Yeah, that's just, the most you said all night, Doc. Now that you've had a, uh, well, I'm waking up now. I got <laughs> a couple some, drinks of that. Got some vice beer yeah. in me. And what's different uh, about ours versus the other two commercially available mm-hmm. and better known uh, wheat beers is uh, the yeast strain that we're using is the Bavarian yeast, yeast strain. Plus, our carbonation level is uh, is at 6%. Okay. And, uh, ger- the reason the domestic, uh, wheat beer producers, uh, don't brew it at, at this higher level of carbonation is that it's very difficult to pour it out of a tap at a restaurant. Okay. And what we do is we go in, and put in these little flow restrictors to, uh, to make it uh, the ability. So we spend a little money trying to make it happen so that we can keep the CO2 levels at the right, at the, the traditional level. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, do you guys put that damn little, like, lemon on it? No. That pisses me off. Yeah, and and that's that's all bad advertising. That you know? pisses me off. And, and you wouldn't find it in Bavaria. They never serve uh, no, Hefeweizen with with the lemon. That's a uh, Kristallweizen, and it's never a huge wedge of lemon. If it, if they're the Kristallweizen, which is the filtered wheat beer, yeah, it uh, it's garnished sometimes with a little lemon slice, little thin the, wedge, or the disc. peel maybe something. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's like, gotten blown apart here. I wanted the lemon, and I was saying, give me lemon with it. There's plenty of citrus flavor in this. You yeah, know, oh, there it's is. It's one of the things you get in a, in a real Hefeweizen. I don't want a glass of lemonade. No. 
Alright, we gotta go. Yeah. No, but you gotta ask this question real quick because you shut Heath off. He called in for a question and you just oh, he just shut him off. I yeah. thought he said goodbye when I said No, you said yeah, goodbye. You said goodbye. <laughs> no, but he, and then he hung up. I waited for the click. Yeah. No, no you said goodbye. It's well, my fault. And then he hung what up. What was Heath's question, Daniel? Heath's question is, and I cannot really read it because I don't know how to pronounce this word, but I'm gonna try. He was just curious what base mold you use in your decoction mosh? Uh, decoction mash. And couldn't the same flavor profiles be acquired through different grain addition with less time needed? No. Um, the complex roasted malts, such as some of the caramel malts, uh, will not go into solution without being exploded. And that's what decoction basically does. It teaches, takes the uh, complex malt poly, uh, sugar compounds that, that wouldn't go into solution through enzymatic powers meaning the enzymes breaking apart because they can't. They're, they're not programmed into these Maillard products or Strecker aldehydes. Mm. And the only ways that they can be broken apart is by, uh, you know, denaturating them or exploding them. Yeah. Is that gelatinization? No. Different. That, uh, that's coagulation of protein. Okay. That's a different thing. Well, okay. So that's why you bring it, uh, that happens in the wort when you bring it to a boil. Mm. One third of the total protein uh, is, is a coagulable protein. Or gelatinous protein, mm. yeah. coagulable gelatinous, same 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 basic thing, and that that formulates and, and collects at, at a higher thing. So that's actually uh, a heat bonding process as opposed to a uh, a heat dissolving process. And that the reason we do decoction is to to break apart some of those starch uh, compounds and sugar compounds that wouldn't enzymatically be broken down. No amylase enzymes. Amylase. Uh, amylase. Amylase. Well, you have those amylase and the amylases are. Uh, are in the the malt husks and and that's the enzymatic pro uh, programming. So you d hit a different uh, temperature levels for the enzymes to break apart the starch molecules, the protein molecules, and the the, the glucanes and all that. The other way of doing it is uh, is w certain of these complex uh, roasted malts won't won't go into solution that way. The enzymes can't break it apart, so the amylases can't handle some of these caramelized uh, sugars. And the way you get more of the flavor out is by exploding the starch compounds. And then putting it back into the main mash. Yeah, you mix it together. And then the amylase. And so you can do a couple ways. The decoction mash, you can do it the old, old-fashioned way when they didn't have thermostats and kettles. The way that, the only way they increased the uh, the mash temperature was kind of with their finger touching it. And they start off with warm warm water mixed in with uh, with the malt. And then they pull about uh, 20% of it and boil it and bring it back together with the, the mash that they didn't take out mm. with the other 80%. And that would take it to another temperature level. Then they take another twenty percent out after after about twenty minutes, and then they bring that to boil, and then add that back, and that take it to another temperature level. So they get a combination of exploding the uh, the starch malt, the starch compounds, and breaking them down uh, both enzymatically and through the the boiling process. Right. So there, there's single mash decoctions, double decoctions, and triple decoction. Triple is the old old fashioned way because they didn't have the technology and thermostats to to direct heat the kettle and control the temperatures. Uh, in, a, in a uniform basis, so. Gotcha. So you think a, a single decoction is just fine? It, yeah, it, you know, it'll, it'll help bring apart and you just do a larger percentage of, it, of the, of the mash. So like a 30, third? Yeah, something like that. Okay. And, and you should, and do it the latter, latter stage. Okay. You know, so uh, go through a graduate step infusion mash and then pull out a third and then, then do uh, your uh, final. Okay, at what temperature would you pull your third out and boil it and put it back in? Uh, like when you're at, uh, 70, 68 degrees or so? Celsius, uh, it's 175 uh, Fahrenheit, I think. Hmm. So you, you pull that. It's that's, right before louder. It's 158. Okay, thanks. 158. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so about 158 at your yeah. high end of your uh, the top, eight, uh, high end of the end, and then pull eight. off the third, and then then bring them back together. Gotcha. Yeah. 
And that'll mash out, actually. Yeah, that's that, it. That'll pull it out. And, and then just leave out. it in the latter 10, let it settle, and then, then you so can start it. So at the high end. Yeah. Okay. For a single. Yeah. For a single, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good to know. We were talking yeah, about that go, just last week. I want to go home and try it now. Yeah. I want to listen to this archive. We get a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> John's like, I didn't get to learn anything. I'm too busy here. <laughs> yeah. We've had that discussion uh, several times, actually. So mm. that's a... Uh, but especially about single infusion, lots of yeah. questions we get about that. Wow. So, well, this is a single decoction, not a single infusion. Oh, different. Yeah, different. Yeah, I'm that's not a big, big fan. Home brewers do show. That's big, I do that's single different. infusion. You do single infusion. Okay. That's just hot water in the grain. Yeah, yeah. He's taking out a third of it and adding it back. So, Daniela wants your uh, vice wow. beer. I'm very happy to see that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mine's almost gone. That, that passed the test. Right. All right, we gotta get out of here. Yeah, it's we a long do. show. Uh, Dan, I- I'm telling you, we didn't even get to really get into decoction mashing like we wanted to. I got questions for you from listeners about that, about yeast handling. Um, <laughs> I have a ton of questions can, here. Can we have you on again? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we need you back, buddy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before summer hits. Well, yeah, then, exactly. I want March. We'll back in the then let March. me tell you this feedback I've received from a chat room tonight about you and about this show. And I've done the chat room from the first day on. It's never been as good. They say okay. it's by far the best show and they've learned a ton and they could have you on every single week. They would like to <laughs> learn from you. They really love you. They thank you for everything, for yeah. sponsoring sports events, for doing the <laughs> beer, for doing what you do, for your experience, for everything, really. Yeah, oh, they love you. It's been fun. Thanks, Dan. All right, cool. We got to get you back in here. Yeah. Uh, it's safe to say uh, that um, you, you're in in terms of distribution and and having and brew pubs and and opening things and and being around for a little while. Uh, you're 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 one of, if not the most successful and and widely operating breweries we've had in here. And uh, thanks for spending the time with us because. Uh, I don't know. You, you probably got lots of other things to do. <laughs> so, uh, uh, not only for for our sakes, because we had fun with you, but our listeners uh, definitely appreciate that. Well, so. good. It's all about education, so I'm I'm happy. Okay. Well, I, 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 I really like the fact that you're not afraid to share everything with us. Yeah, I'm open book. It's it's not that. Uh, oh, that's that's proprietary. Get some Japanese brews in here to to really show you that part. <laughs> <laughs> If uh, I were to send you an email that asked for a, a clone brew, would you give that to me so we could post it on our forum? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, great. Because I, I won't ask you now because you have to convert it and stuff, but but I might send you an email and see if you can con- do some conversions mm. and give us a 10-gallon a uh, clone. Yeah, um, yeah 10-gallon scalability. I, I may have to give you a percentage. I'll give you percentages. So that, that would people, be fine. People they can, can do uh, it. translate to any kind of uh, volume they want. Yeah, that would be perfect. Mm-hmm. We'll I just might send it to Mr. Malty and let him do it. He'll do it for us, yeah. All right, that'd be cool if I could do that. Was well, that the kind of the standard 10 gallons? Is that what everyone looks for? It's usually five. Yeah, I'm five, but a lo- I think a lot of yeah, – it's five to ten. I think most people, percentages but are going to be able to – But probably anybody doing loggers, anybody doing loggers that can do a logger is probably going to do ten. He's doing ten. Mm. Yeah. I'm doing five because I'm all ale. With a lot of other people. Can I have my beer back or what? <laughs> you no. <just> can't. <laughs> licking that. Don't be crazy. You have two cases in your kitchen. All right. Do awesome. we? Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a good night, honey. Thank all you, right. Dan. <laughs> Danielle is cooking dinner. We're going to drink your beer, Dan. Uh, if, did you, we, if, did you, we, if you want to stay, stay we, and drink beer and eat dinner with us. Did we stump the brewer twice? We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, I think I, you were urinating during the first one. It must have been one. that one. Yeah. So hey, we'll uh, get the addresses and we'll send some goodies out from the brewery. All right. Should we have cool. a, have them email you or Dan? Email me. I'll yeah, pass yeah. it we'll on pass to Dan. On Dan. Okay. And uh, we'll get him. What's out your there. email? Address? That way they can play. They can blame Dan instead of you. Right, thanks. I, I got a question. <laughs> What's my email address? It's up. 
It's up. It? Oh, thanks for letting me know. I set it up, and I forgot what password I set up for you. <laughs> cool. But uh, you can send an email to doc at thebrewingnetwork.com for the first time. Uh, he just won't be able to get it until I remember what the password <laughs> is <laughs> that I set up. Ah, uh, yeah. Good show. Next week we got Pyramid in. Yeah. Is that right, John? Yep. All right. Great show, everybody. John. Daniela, thanks for your help. You're welcome. You did a good job over there. Thank, thank you. you. Dan Gordon from Gordon Beer Brewing Company. Can't thank you enough. We really appreciate your time. Yeah. Happy yeah. to be here. It was fun. Yeah. All right, cool. We'll thank see you again, you. I hope. And uh, but not Doc, in the summer. Doc, you showed up <laughs> early this week. Yeah. It's I weird. Know. I was out and about. I had, I had to do some errands, and I thought, you know, well, I could just drive around or come over <laughs> here. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. We'll see you next week, everybody. It's the Brew Network. Hey, is a friend of mine, Ooh, and I like good body wine. Chocolate porter, cherished out, don't you know what? Don't you give me that American crude for the one of real homebrew. Homebrew, don't you really love it? Homebrew, can't get enough of it. Homebrew, it blows my mind. I love homebrew all the time. Yeah, I think I have it. Well, I have the one right now. Oh,
homebrew, can't get enough of it. Homebrew, it blows my mind. I love homebrew all the time. Yeah, I think I have 